This is the Liberty NZ Breakfast. those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule. This is a policy that could accurately be then called a no-jab, no-income-at-all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on The Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solo parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that it's be extended? Should it, should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? Can you name any rights that women don't have? Any rights that men have? that women do not, any rights that men have that women do not, no, no. 
So then, what laws are feminists fighting for? Shit, that's a good one. Shit, that's a good one. Back tomorrow on the Joe Hawk Show. Play of this hour, go to episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. President Joe Biden called for a humanitarian pause in the Israel-Hamas war as the IDF mounts a ground invasion of the Gaza Strip. The president made his comments on Wednesday evening when a protester interrupted his campaign speech by calling for a ceasefire. Biden responded, I think we need a pause. The president had been speaking to a crowd of supporters in Minneapolis about what motivated him to run for president when a woman interrupted him by shouting for a ceasefire. Others in the crowd shouted the woman down, which prompted Biden to say that he understood her emotions. He emphasized that his call for a pause in the war meant allowing time to get the prisoners out. Over 1,000 demonstrators were protesting nearby with signs that read, Stop bombing children, free Palestine, and ceasefire now. A group of pro-Palestine activists have occupied a building in central London after throwing red paint over its entrance and covering it in graffiti. Palestine Action targeted One Eagle Place Piccadilly, which is home to the offices of Leonardo UK, a defense and security firm. The group accused the company of being suppliers of weaponry for Israel's fighter jets. It added 106 years ago today, Britain signed away the land of Palestine. It's now up to the people to end the ongoing complicity and genocide. A man could be heard chanting, stop the arms trade, end the struggle, free, free Palestine. Messages on the building include free Palestine, free Gaza, and terrorists. Leonardo UK is one of the biggest suppliers of defense and security equipment for the Ministry of Defense. Fox News contributor Tulsi Gabbard says one main reason she left the Democratic Party is because the Democratic elite does not care about the safety, security, and freedom of the American people. And I got to tell you, for those like me, the many Americans like me who enlisted in the military because of the 9-11 jihadist terrorist attack on us, this is incredibly offensive. You know, I've, I've deployed three times to war zones in, in the Middle East and in Africa. I know how serious this threat of Islamist jihadism is the democrat elite they don't care they don't care they instead they leave our borders wide open which we know are being exploited by these islamist terrorists and they redirect our security infrastructure our assets our intel assets not towards focusing on these terror threats that are coming through our borders and elsewhere they're focusing them on fellow americans they're focusing them on people who they have deemed as domestic terrorism threats or or extremists also known as people who are supporters of president donald trump or conservatives. Last week, Amnesty International called for an immediate ceasefire and an independent investigation into long-standing impunity for war crimes and crimes against humanity. A statement from the organization also described one of the root causes of the conflict as Israel's system of apartheid imposed on all Palestinians. TNT Raiders Patrick Henningsen says Amnesty International has been consistent in calling out war crimes throughout history. Now this is how low the conversation is starting to sink. Israel is now attacking international human rights organizations and accusing them of being anti-Semitic for pointing out the gross violations in terms of war crimes, the Geneva Convention, international law, multiple UN conventions on human rights, all of this litany of war crimes. People are calling it out now. Governments are beginning 
beginning to call it out. Amnesty International being one of the biggest voices traditionally in this area. And so now they found themselves at odds with the Netanyahu regime, who are claiming that the International Human Rights Organization here is somehow bigoted or racist or anti-Semitic. But when you look back at their record, they've been very consistent about condemning these same war crimes throughout history. So how on earth can Israel be accusing them of this? It just seems like more deflections away from the elephant in the room, and that is that we are facing one of the most egregious examples of crimes against humanity live on television in the modern era. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Nobody in Congress is asking to analyze the violence. Nobody in the mainstream media has ever asked what's in the vials. And the public doesn't want to know either because the public's not asking what's in these vaccines. If people understood what was in the vaccine, they'd go apeshit. They would go ape, ape, uh, apeshit. Absolutely would. It's five past five. Good morning. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast here with me, Grant Edwards, your host. I'm here till seven o'clock. I think we should be here. Seven should be long enough, I think, to get through what I want to talk to you about this morning. Okay, well, look at the weather first of all. Tauranga has got the highest temperature, 16.2 degrees there today. Twizel is nice and chilly. It's the lowest in the whole country, 4.1. And the windiest place to be is North Shore at Auckland, 37 kilometres of wind per hour is pooping through there. Pooping? I don't know about pooping, but it's blowing through there, should we say that? It is persisting down in Hokitika, right at the moment on the west coast. 1.8 millimetres of rain is falling, that's per hour, I would take it. All the temperatures have, it's just chilled off in the last hour actually. Queenstown's quite low, uh, 6 degrees for you. And uh, who else have we got there? France Joseph and Stewart Island are both on 9 degrees, but everybody else is in double digits, so it's looking pretty good for the whole country. The short forecast, first of all, in the west from north into Taranaki, Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty, the central high country. You've got rain spreading east this morning with thunderstorms possible from northern to the Bay of Plenty, including Auckland and northern Waikato. And then it's going to be easing to isolated showers from about midday for you. For the remainder of the North Island, isolated showers, but a period of rain late morning and afternoon. Down to the South Island now, we start with Buller, Nelson and Marlborough. You've got rain developing this morning. It's going to be turning to showers about Buller and Nelson this evening. It's going to be heavy and possibly thunderstorms as well, but it'll be clearing in Marlborough a bit later in the day. For Canterbury, you've got low cloud and fog at times. Uh, rain for a time this afternoon and evening, possibly heavy. And Western and Fjordland, that's getting right down there in sticks, isn't it? Yes, it's, you've got cloudy periods down in Western and Fjordland. You've got isolated showers as well. Otago in Southland, you have uh, cloud breaking through this morning. Showers this afternoon and evening, some heavy with thunderstorms possible. And for the Chathams, it's just going to be foggy and drizzly and, and rain at night for you. Not the very best, is it? Well, um, it's coming up eight past five. And so when I come back, we will have a look at... Um, when I come back, where am I going to go? I don't, I, I don't know. I, what shall I do? Uh, I might just put the I might put the jug on. Do you call it the jug in your house or is it the kettle? What do, I don't know. You tell me. Text me through whether it's the jug or the kettle, and we'll see how many people. Um, what else can you call it? A billy? <laughs> put the billy on. Anyway, o two one seven three two four two three o two one seven three two four two three. You can ring or text. 
uh, whatever you like. We've got Andy Griffith here, and when I come back, we'll have a look at Radio New Zealand and see what's going on on the front page of the Fake Stream Media. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. Now, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a youngin decide for himself. He'll grab at the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on it. Then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Yeah. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. That is right. And all a parent can do is say, wait, trust me and try to keep temptation away. That is so true. And, of course, for you older listeners, that is Andy Griffith from the Andy Griffith television show that went right through the 60s, and that was fantastic. And another one I used to like when I was a little boy, and that was My Three Sons. Uh, have a look on YouTube and look it up, you youngies, and uh, you'll learn some great... Oh, it was fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, no pedophilia, I don't think none of that sort of nonsense, rubbish. Uh, happened in those days probably did but when <laughs> I just grew up thinking everyone was like my parents just wonderful I didn't realize that other kids we grew up in bad bad homes not really or once I did go to a friend's place and um, there was just he was living with his father I think his father was we came home smelling of booze but I suppose we had the six o'clock swirl but he was home before six o'clock gosh I had to be home I had to be home before six or I'd be in in big trouble yeah, in fact, if the if I got home, if the lights, if the street lights came on and I was still out on the street, I'd get a get a tanned backside, get a um, that's what we used to get, get smack bottom, get a good telling off. Anyway, we had to all get home. Okay, now let's have a look at this. The front page of the New Zealand Herald. No, it's not New Zealand Herald. I've tried that, but they want you to pay money, and I'm not happy to pay money for a you know for a fake stream newspaper. The T the uh, PPTA. This is on Radio New Zealand. Unpredictable role growth putting pressure on the schools. And that's all because of immigration, isn't it? The Post-Primary Teachers Association has added to warnings about high immigration. Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought it was too. Putting pressure on the education system. That is uh, that is the problem with those guys. Also, um, we'll have some... Oh, we'll look at that in a minute. We'll just go to Australia now. And Erin Patterson, remember that fat cow? She... <laughs> oh, she is. Just look at her. She looked like someone needs to put a chain around the refrigerator. I mean, and she needs to lay off the sugar and the cakes and all that. So I wouldn't want to go for lunch at her place anyway. She's the woman who cooked the mushroom lunch, remember? She's suspected of killing three people, actually from her own family, or it might be yeah, the husband and, and, and the mother and father-in-law, I think, they're involved. Don't know if she killed them. But anyway, three people in Victoria's East. She's been charged with murder overnight, or yesterday they charged her with murder. Transition to low carbon energy, more sort of climate change nonsense. This is what this is what they're using to help bankrupt the country, uh, pretending that, that carbon's a bad thing. Um, those of you that actually have you know got a brain and you know got a <laughs> got a brain between your ears, and know that um, you know you've got an IQ sort of more than room temperature, you you would know that carbon is actually a wonderful nutrient for the soil. It's actually just like putting fertilizer it's a fertilizer for to make things grow and apparently they've got these carbon sequestration machines where they're trying to suck the carbon out of the atmosphere and then they're bottling it well not in bottles but in in some kind of tanks and they're storing carbon which i suppose the elites the the billionaires will be using it people like bill gates have got about 170 thousand acres of land in 19 different states i don't know why he'd be buying it up oh maybe maybe he's going to be supplying maybe he's going to be supplying beef and sheep and all the good meat to the elites, you know, the, the billionaires throughout the world, and you know, probably you'd have to be a billionaire. There's quite a few of them now. 
all over the world. So they're, they're the ones, you know, the rich, they, you know, they think they're better than us. Just money. They think that money maketh the man, which is absolute rubbish, isn't it? Anyway, the electricity lines here in New Zealand, the companies, the lines companies, they're likely to spend tens of billions of dollars over the next decade to meet the rising demand and the transition to low carbon. Of course, what does that equate to us? That means more power. That means you have to pay higher rates for your power. Now they've got a bit of a hit piece here on um, Gloria Vale. I don't know anything about Gloria Vale, but I've, I actually thought they were, you know, a pretty good sort of like a community, a commune uh, down in the south in the south there. But according to you, get a disgruntled student there, that um, someone that used to live there at Gloria Vale, and there was obviously some shenanigans going on there. You've got some perverts there that were quite high up in the in the uh, Gloria Vale movement. But they weren't, they're not all bad apples, and there's a lot of people there that love it, you know, and they think it's great. It's a great lifestyle. I mean, what? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, so he, she says here that we've been failed. Former Gloria Vale student angry at the loss of education opportunities. Uh huh. Former Gloria Vale student is angry about the education she missed out on at school, but says that she's shocked the school failed the ER. She's what? She's shocked that the school failed the ERO report. Oh, okay, so it can't have been as bad as what the ERO, that's the, um, that's the government, they've got these education re- reviews. I think that's what they, they are, something like that. They go around there, and they're all flipping leftist, aren't they? You know, they want to teach your kids, you know, about sex, sex at a far too young age and transitioning and all this sort of nonsense. You know, we've got, we've got Chris Hipkins' mother. Uh, Rose Hipkins, she's like right up in there, and they're teaching kids stuff like you know the stuff from John Money, who was an absolute pedophile and pervert, and they're teaching his theories about gender. And of course, we heard from Matt Welsh there the other week, and he says that gender has got. Is, is, he was the one that introduced the whole idea of gender into into language. But gender means la- is language. It's a that's what that is. It's not got nothing nothing to do with sex. And, but they need to change that away from sex, you know, is it a male or a female, so that they can bring in this gender nonsense. Just absolute rubbish. So that's, and so, you know, so I wouldn't trust anything that came out of the ERO report anyway. I think if you failed it, it's probably a good thing, really, as far as uh, what's right and moral and proper. The spending is still going to be rising up for contractors on, and consultants by public agencies. Apparently that's gone up since COVID. What does it say here? Uh, many public sector agencies have lifted their spending on contractors and consultants by about 60% in real terms on average since the pre-COVID-19 times. New figures show that since 2019, some agencies' spending on private contractors has risen by 150%. That's, and it's all our money, isn't it? Oh, no, it's not. Might not be. In total, the bill's risen to $1.268 billion year on year. Blimey, that's a lot, isn't it? Record numbers of puppies have been dumped at Auckland in the last 24 hours. So where are they dumping them? Uh, a flood of puppies might not be as good as it sounds. A flood, no. Particularly when they have been dumped at your doorstep at eight weeks old. Well, at least they didn't do it earlier. But, oh, there's all sorts of costs come up, though, isn't it? They don't want to pay the $350. I think it's about that, 350 or a bit less for a, for a dog. A bitch is about 350 to have it de-sexed. Spade, I think they call it, and uh, so there's money involved. And if you get caught with pups that are over, I don't know, is it three weeks, three months old? If they're if you get caught with them and they're not registered, uh, unless it's a working dog, uh, they're still got to register, but they don't have the chip implant, which is what we, which is what's coming for us. But yes, yeah, those dogs, they um, 
they'll give you a $300 fine for every one you've got over three months. So I suppose they just want to get rid of them. So it was obviously an accident. Some dog got into someone's bitch. And uh, and then you got eight puppies. Anyway, so right now Auckland Council is, is um, drowning in them. I don't think that was a good choice of words, actually. Drowning in them. Because when I looked at it, I sort of sped through the thing. And I thought, oh, they're drowning. Auckland City Council are drowning puppies. But no, they're not. They're just drowning in them, which is a very poor, poor use of words. I think they did it on purpose. Uh, 29 puppies have been abandoned in the last 24 hours. That's the worst heat count ever in history. In world record here at 17 minutes past five with the grunter telling you what's happening on the fake stream media with Radio New Zealand. You can find them if you're from overseas having a listen. You can, If you want to read all the propaganda here that's going on in this country, the single source of truth <laughs> comes out of the government usually. Things might change, but I doubt it. I think we're still on the, vo- the um, globalist vulture, aren't we? Now we're on the right wing. The right wing's taken over because the left wing's been badly wounded. Anyway, two separate litters were found in a container outside the animal shelter. And nine others were discarded in the South Auckland Park. Oh, just in a park, that's no good. They should take them to the SPCA. The only trouble is they've got CCTV footage, haven't they? So they have to wear a mask or something, have wear a hood, like an armed robber, when you take your puppies in. Anyway, the city's animal shelters are already jammed. Auckland Council Manager of Licensing and Compliance, that's James Hassel, he told Checkpoint last night on Radio New Zealand, whatever, radio, uh, that there was there was some oh there was some CCTV footage of the puppies dumped outside the shelter so that's good so they'll ca- oh and there's a picture here of them it looks like the child's paddling pool those little ones those little shell shaped plastic things and lovely little puppies they look like sharpays all sort of light and dark gosh they're so cute aren't they but then they grow up to be killers like that woman up in and Moriwa she's an old lady I think she's like about seventy or eighty hang kids should have been doing that for her anyway what's she doing hanging around washing out you know, sitting there on playing, playing on the on the we used to call it spaceies, space invaders, but no, they'd be playing on the computer, weren't they? Playing a game while Granny puts the washing on the line, and a flippin' dog, the neighbour's blimmin' pig dog, came th- onto the property, raced at her, and, and killed her, and killed her, and and this is a Moriwa, blimey, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? You got to keep your animals under control. Anyway, fortunately, the neighbour came out and shot her, but it was too late. She died. Two people in the last month last four weeks that was in October two people I think it was well she did anyway she was mauled to death uh, and there was someone else as well but that and they're all married dogs aren't they of course they are come on you know they are just keep your dogs under control for goodness sake gosh you make me sick anyway now the Nats plan to ditch the freeze prescriptions could have dire results I don't know why it's, they've capped it at a hundred dollars for the year so that means if you can't afford a hundred bucks for your pharmaceutical sorcery, then there's something wrong. Why don't you go and just eat some meat? Just put money in. Just spend a bit more money on on some good meat, some red meat. It's incredible how that will heal you. Eating meat. Oh, some of you funny people out there. What are you, you, you vegans? Gosh, you're all sort of like you've got a mental attitude. Me, you, you, I think people that are vegans is something not quite right up top. Just eating eating vegetables and. You know, rabbit food. You, know, you can't survive on that. I couldn't, honestly. You cannot survive on it. You've got to have meat. It's a, it's the the best way. If you eat lots of red meat, lots of it. It's all rubbish that they say that red meat, you know, causes this. You know, don't eat too much meat and all, meat and all that. It's rubbish. Eat them. Eat as much beef and lamb and venison and bison if you can get it. And tuna. That's the wild albacore. It's the best. Not the skipjack. That's a bit or not so nice. Bait fish. But the albacore. It's the that fish has the highest omega-3 and fatty acid 
content of any fish in the sea. And also, it's, did you know it's, the, it's a warm-blooded fish and it's the fastest fish in the sea, the albacore. It's the tuna family. Fantastic. Eat plenty of that. You don't you don't need anything else. Eat some eggs. Eggs are great. You know, they say, oh, and you can't have too many eggs. It's bad for your heart. Just rubbish. I Before I started on my all-meat carnivore diet, and it's not all-meat. I mean, I have... I have basically, it's a high-protein diet, really. That's all I do. I've cut out beer now, no more beer, and I feel fantastic. Gosh, yesterday, I reckon I walked about 10 k's up and down hills. It was like mountaineering. I felt like I was going up to the Levin Waipehu Mountain, um, you know, in the Ruahinis. Well, that's not down there. That's in the room. Oh, I can't even remember these ranges. Anyway, I used to do a bit of tramping. But I feel like 23 again, and I'm the same weight that I was when I was 23 right now. Yep, 70 kgs. How about that? And I didn't start to get fat until I got into the car and started driving people around in real estate. That's when you get fat. Sitting, you know, sitting around there. Because in the old days, we didn't, have, we didn't do open homes. No, I couldn't, couldn't sit in an open home. Be busy showing, showing houses to people. We'd scrape them off the window up there in Titterangi. Come on in, yeah. Show me, show me what you've got. All right, I've got these ones. They'd circle the newspaper they'd, with all the run-on ads. They'd have run-on ads and they'd circle the ones they liked. Oh, I like that. Three-bedroom bungalow there. Oh, that's a nice one. What's that one there? That's Oh, that's very good. Oh, yes, well, I can show you that. And I grabbed the keys. I'd show them three properties. That was it that I thought were right. Sit down, talk to them, get a bit of a feel for what they're after. Then I'd say, well, and, every, and all the other people in my office, they, <laughs> they'd say, oh, don't waste your time with those tire kickers, those time wasters. And um, they said, oh, we're not quite ready to buy yet. But I tell you what, the, the amount of people that told me that and ended up buying on the same day, take them, show them three properties, had the keys off we go into the in, into the property. We kept all the keys there on site, special coding so that people wouldn't know which key was what. Yet there was another book which was kept in the safe with the actual address and then the number of the key relating to that. So it was all good. And then we'd have a radio telephone in the car as well, so you could you could put a bit of pressure on. You. Is that house at number sixty two Kohu Street? Is that still available? Oh, it is. All right, and you do it over the radio telephone so that you know. Is, have you got an agreement on that yet? And it was all just like it was brilliant. Well, we were terrible, terrible. It was all good. You know, hyperbole. We're allowed to do that. Then you get shot now for doing that. But anyway, so we, I'd take them and show them. Oh, I save the best or last, of course. Of course you do. You're a salesperson. That's what we do. And you'd show them ones that were in their price range, and then I'd have one that was a wee bit beyond their price range. But I knew they'd like it more than the other, the other crappers that I showed them, and uh, that they could afford. And that's funny where they find the money from. Granny, granddad, and you know, somewhere family member. They they find the money when they see the house they want. And it's interesting, you know, they often, there's a curb appeal that's really important. They'll buy a house because, you know, before they even get out of the car. And you walk them in, show them around, show them the best first and then the best last. So they've got that impression in their mind. And then <laughs> then whip them back and don't stand in the room. You know, get, get off to one side so you don't make the little room look so smaller when you've got your big, huge, fat body in there <laughs> taking up space. <laughs> oh, there's all sorts of tricks. It's fantastic, really. It's real. It's a real art, actually. It's a real art selling. It's a wonderful thing to learn, actually. It will help you right through life if you can end up being going into sales. I think the best thing to do is to get a job just serving people in a store, and you're not really serving them. You're actually, you've got to learn to sell, and to be able to, to sell to more than one person at the same time is a real art, I reckon. And um, it is, and you've got to keep them all happy. Um, go and go and go and work in a shoe store or something like that. That's a fantastic way. That's all about customer service. You don't get much of it these days, but it, you know. And then go go online, have a look and try and find some of those um, those uh, sales videos. Now, who was it? Now, not Charlie Tremendous Jones. There was 
Who did I used to listen to? What was his name? Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, oh gosh, the mind's gone. Mind's going. Better eat some more meat. Gets you going again. Anyway, so what are we doing? We're over at um, the pharmacies. I don't know what they're getting all upset about. 25 past five. The uh, collective of pharmacists, they want national to... I've just like segued right into a story and then left you high and dry, haven't I? Sorry about that. Anyway, we'll get back to the news. A collective of pharmacists wants national to backtrack on its policy to ditch free prescriptions while the cost of living crisis persists. Well, it's just crazy. I went to put some petrol in the tanks there the other day. This is for the... This is for little, I've got a little petrol generator and also for the chainsaws. And I what did I fill up? 10, 20... 25, oh, it was about 30 litres. Then I put some diesel in the truck as well because I've run out of diesel on the farm. Normally we keep it in the, keep it all locked up in a secret location. Uh, but we've run out and, um, gosh, I should have bought some. It's, it's doubled. It was like 80 cents a litre the last lot I bought. Now what is it, $2.80 or something? Just been nuts. Absolute crazy. And uh, it was like $200. I mean, even a year ago it would have been, I don't know, 100 or something like that. It's just I don't know how people survive. Anyway, these community service and gold card holders, they'll still get the free medications and um, and any other family or, or, or person prescription fees would be capped at $100 a year. Prescription Access Initiative believes the proposed changes could have dire results. I don't think so. You'll be right. And just go, go out and get a job. We're looking after the oldies that have done, they've served their apprenticeship, haven't they? They've served their their time and now it's time for them to get the pension all that money that they paid in taxes has got to come back somehow instead of wasting it on uh, methamphetamine treatment plants for uh, treatment um, clinics rather for gang members that would be silly don't you think yeah I agree okay so what have we got Hastings Mayor I haven't I haven't read any of this I'm just looking I mean there's so much news out there gosh you don't know where to start very uh, unsettling Hastings Mayor mindful of the impact of rate rises for elderly tenants oh I know We'll just have a quick look at that. What do they say? Who is it? We've got, um, I think she was on Checkpoint there last night. She's the mayor. Hazelhurst, her name is Sandra. She says residents will be invited to attend information sessions with the council housing team to talk through the change. Where you can talk all you like, but um, if you can't afford it. We've got to do something about our oldies. We can't have them living in squalor. They've worked hard all their life. Some of them haven't saved as much as they should. It's pretty hard, you know, sometimes it's pretty hard. It's pretty daunting too, you know. You know so a lot of people are put off investing in things, you know, they've got burnt, ended up, you know, losing their money and then they just sort of go hand to mouth. Some people are just hand to mouth all their life. But that's all right. Klaus Schwab's got an idea. He's got, you know, you've got the smart cities. Well, every council in the country signed up to the smart cities. So it's be fine. You'll be fine. Um, you just, um, everyone moves off the land. They're all out of the suburbs. They'll all be gone. They'll be demolished and all parks will be put in there for the you know so you can enjoy the parks go for a wander around the park and uh yeah and then um what will happen oh you'll be living in a smart city that which will turn into a dumb ghetto what it'll be like be like living in gaza that's what they'll be like gaza strip you'll be they've got the highest like a huge surveillance and it's not the israelis that are surveilling them it's the and hamas keeping an eye on them they've got cctv footage all this stuff just incredible and, you know, the thing that, that amazes me is that all these countries around the world, including Israel, Israel are probably one of the biggest supporters of the Gazans. They pay for the petrol uh, that goes in there, the diesel. They, they do um, they supply water. At the moment, they've chopped it off. But um, oh, they might have put some of it on. Anyway, um, electricity, they never pay the bill. They owe half a, 
half a billion dollars in electricity, the Gazans, or the city, it's huge in there. I mean, it's not that big an area, but there's 2.4 million people, I think, and heaps of kids in there. They have children, because Muslims allowed five wives and, and um, eight kids, isn't it? Yeah, eight kids they have. On average, they do. Yeah, they really pump them out. Well, because they're trying to take over the world, they've got to, and then they've got to come to our country and take over our country. Just sit here like little cells, waiting to waiting to pout, to po- you know to pounce on you. You'll be sitting at the KFC or you know in the car park there or at, um, at McDonald's there, you know, just sitting there minding your own business, waiting waiting to get your order, and then some Muslim terrorist that we imported into the country, um, you know, years ago, just sitting there is waiting like you know just waiting just waiting like a like a volcano but ready to explode he goes in there and shoots you up and or, or you know stabs everybody in the in their cars while they're waiting for a hamburger or something like that i, I mean that's why you know i what i tell you what, i don't go to those places anyway because i the food is terrible really is but if i was i i would make sure i i'm pretty careful now now that i'm older i can't really defend myself like i used to be able to i lock the door at the and now i lock the door at the lights never used to do that Never used to lock the door at home. The the house was always open. And um, no, I lock the door. And I don't pull up too close as well. Do some of that defensive driving. I, I don't pull up too close. So I give myself room so that I can drive forward and get out of a situation. So if someone comes in behind me and locks me in, you know, I can't get out. So I do that. I learnt that on TV. Yeah, was that? What do you, yeah, they do that. And I, I can actually do that where you reverse back. And then you pull the handbrake on and spin it and do a 180. I can do, I can do that. Yeah. Very clever. Well, these are all the tricks we learned when we were kids. Gosh, I was driving the car at five, drove it into the hedge. My big brother, brother was egging me on out the window there. Just going, you won't be able to do it. Oh, yeah. I, might have, I don't even know if I was five. When did I get my electric shock? I was an electrician at five. Ended up in Palmerston North Hospital for about three months, I think it was, with my third degree burns. Yes. And I still didn't learn my lesson. I think I then I, what did I do after that? I tried to cut through the, you know, just the lead, the lead of Mum and Dad's um, sort of bedside table lamp. I thought I'd cut through that with a pair of scissors. No plastic on the scissors in those days either. Luckily, I must have. What did I get? I must have cut through the the phase. No, I, I missed the phase one. I must have gone through the um, uh, the other one, the neutral. I must have anyway. Big chunk out of the scissors. <laughs> Big chunk. I didn't feel a thing, but then, oh, the other one, I felt a lot, all right. I fell over. I was getting absolutely, I picked up the rabbit ears. I thought they were, um, you know, I thought they were like, a, 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 you know, remember that duck tari? Come in, duck tari, you know, with the walkie talkies? And I thought they were walkie talkies with the aerial and that. And I thought, oh, great, my brother Trevor and I, because uh, we, we shared a room together, a couple of, you know, I was on one side of the room and he's on the other. And his, but we had a, oh, it wasn't that big a room, I suppose. And we had a sort of like a, um, sort of like a bedside table between us and I thought oh we can talk to each other with them because I've been I, I, we just got the telly and I was watching um, Daktari which was sort of um, one of those um, sort of adventure series in Africa wonderful you know Clarence the Lion and Judy the Judy the what was Judy Judy the Chimp and um, Daktari I'm not sure who he was some guy called him Daktari anyway that was what it was called and I thought oh well, we'll better we talk to each other because as aerials, you know, this is how dumb you are when you're a kid. Twenty nine to six too, by the way. And anyway, so I plugged them into the hot point. Thought, oh, they must need power because they're not getting any sound because I was talking through one aerial and went around the other side, couldn't hear anything. And uh, so I plugged them in. Just bare wires. They didn't have even a plug on them. Plugged them in. I knew to put them in the two top ones, the middle one down the bottom. I knew that was earth. And I thought oh, I'll just power them up. So 
oh boy, you're done when you're kids, aren't you? P- put them in. Short, fortunately, it was a short lead. If it was a long lead, I would have been a goner. And uh, the good Lord kept me alive. I don't know why. We, why would he do that? <laughs> anyway, so plugged them in, switched her on, and then I went to pick up these rabbit ears. We used to call them rabbit ears. They're a TV aerial, so you sit on top of the television. And, we, and I came from a, a Christian family, and, of course, you know, the TV was the devil's box. And so they, no one wanted – well, I, I think mum and dad didn't want – the rest of the people in the church in the neighbourhood, because we were, you know, pretty, pretty. Everyone was, you know, we're talking 1965, and um, not many people had TVs in New Zealand. They're not like in America, but anyway, you didn't want anyone to know you had a television in your house. The devil's box, you know, the uh, no. So you had to have an aerial on the roof. The best was the aerial up on the roof, but no one wanted to have one of them. So they had the TV uh, little bunny rabbit aerial that used to go on top of the television. I don't know where that frog came from. Anyway, um, so what happened? So, and I remember hearing the the TV repairman, the t- the man from Tisco, he said, "You need these because you won't get any sound unless you use these these rabbit ears, these aerials." And I thought, ah, sound, ah. Oh. Anyway, so for some, I don't know what they were doing. They must have had must have had more than one. But I got hold of them. I don't, Mum and Dad were out in the living room. They said the lights dimmed and. And everything, and they came into the room, and there I was smouldering on the bed. Fortunately, the lead was short, and it um, as I picked up the rabbit ears, the um, the TV aerial, I fell onto the bed, and I remember looking down at my hands, and they were just smouldering, and I said, "Oh no, what have I done?" And um, but I didn't feel any pain. Of course, third degree burns, you don't feel any pain. Anyway, Dad grabbed me, um, ran me up you know, in his arms. I remember running up the, we were, he ran me up the road to Doctor Castleberg who turned out, I think he left his wife, he turned out he's a homosexual, because we didn't know that. <laughs> he was lovely, though. He was nice to me. He liked me. And um, he was lovely. He's was, he was a lovely doctor. Anyway, I thought he was lovely anyway. So that's Dr. Castleberg. So that's me, and ended up in Palmerston North Hospital. The next morning they took me off. Of course, everyone would have been praying over me and all that. And, um, oh, they said he didn't feel any pain. Oh, it's a miracle, but it wasn't really. That's what happens, you know, with third-degree burns, not to take it away from the Lord. I mean, he saved my life, um, I think. So anyway, I felt well, someone that made the short lead. It was a good thing. They made a short lead on the on the aerial, and I fell onto the bed, and it pulled the plug out. or pulled the bare wires out. Gosh, fancy having bare wires. But who would think a kid would do that, though? You know, gosh, just what a tearaway. I mean, I was a terrible child. I can remember... You know, all, all my cousins used to say, oh, you were just diabolical. And I remember when my brother and sister had a car accident in 1970 and I had to go and live with my uncle. And my sister and I, my younger one, she was three years younger, Leanne, she, her and I went to live at um, uh, McCleavy Road, which is just sort of south of Levin, slightly south. And they had a farm out there, the Ralstons. And um, we went to live with them. And, you know, they had, you know, she had her own you know, I had my second cousins and cousins and all that. They were all there. We all, we all went to O'Hare School together. We'd get dropped off in the morning, I think. We'd be dropped off in the morning, and then we'd walk home across the paddocks uh, back home from O'Hare. But um, I can remember... Um, now I've forgotten what I was going to tell you. Oh, anyway, this, these things happen, don't they? 25 minutes to 6, and I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, anyway, so we poor old the tenants. Uh, how did I get into this? I don't know. Well, look, and when I, when I come back, I'll just get, give myself a rest. I need to I need to drink something. And uh, so I'll just have a wee rest for a moment. Us old people, we need to rest from time to time. So uh, what about a bit of comedy? I like this little Chinese girl. I think she's funny. As you can tell from my outfit that uh, I was made in China. 
Yes. Look, guys, I'm really sorry for the COVID. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry for it, but uh, I didn't do it. I was here the whole time. I know. <laughs> yeah, last year I was roaming around the city, and this guy just yelled at me. He was like, yo, go back to China. I was like, sir, there's no flight. No flights. No. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It's 24 minutes to six. Uh, she's a laugh. There's, a, there's an Asian guy as well. He's funny as well. Talks about math. I might play that later on. I don't know. If you listen to me, you'll hear. I, I sort of thrashed him a bit, don't I? I need some new material. But anyway, I quite like those funny ones. Hey, severe, severe, severe thunderstorms uh, and heavy rain. Hail forecast for central Hawke's Bay. Wow, Southern Hawke's Bay has been hammered by severe thunderstorms. You got hammered. That was Now, that was probably yesterday when they wrote that. The latest bulletin here says at 3 a.m. Friday. But it's, uh, yeah. And also, Nelson residents, you've got to brace yourself for wildfires over the summer. It's going to be a hot, dry summer. It's not at the moment, is it? Plenty of rain around. Doing really well with the rain. Uh, not too much, though. It's a bit slippery. Now, also the terror attack, the Christchurch terror attack, the inquest is happening there. The paramedics now entered into the Al Noor Mosque, contrary to St. To St. John's policy. Oh, really? Why not? We could find better find out, I suppose. Shall we have a look? All right, then. Let's have a look. Christchurch terror attack, paramedic entered Al Noor Mosque, contrary to St. John's policy. Hmm. One of the first police officers to provide aid to severely injured worshippers in Christchurch's El Noor Mosque, wanted to use civilian cars to rush people to hospital, but they could not be moved, an inquest has heard. The armed defender squad, a member who cannot be named, told the coroner's court people injured in the massacre on the 15th of March 2019 were calling out for help, and one victim asking him to hold his hand. Oh dear. The inquest has earlier heard that the first paramedics did not enter the Dean's Avenue Mosque until 15 minutes past two, quarter past two in the afternoon, about 30 minutes after the shooting had occurred. Well, the shooting went on for a while. Multiple police officers at the scene had continuously requested for ambulances to come forward and help the injured who were laying amongst a number of deceased people. The AOS, that's the armed defenders, I suppose, that, yes, that's what it is, the member, he's, this is one that can't be named, he said that when he reached the main prayer room and he saw the scale of the tragedy, he attempted to pull some people out. The scene inside the mosque was overwhelming. He said it was awful. Uh, he said that he was trying to get people out, not only for physical injuries, but for their mental health as well. You're sitting there with bodies all around you or with wax, um, <laughs> wax um Dummies, like some people will say they saw when they looked at that video. Some people looked at that video, not allowed to look at it. Wonder why you're not allowed to look at it. Oh, it's too, too terrible. Or could it be that that video has little things in it that the government or the world government, whoever's responsible for whatever happened, if it is a, what do they call it, a, uh, a false flag, they don't want you to see it. But heaps of people have seen it and they find that there's some problems with it. You know, like there's cartridges, apparently. There's a cartridge on the floor as you went in. It was there when you went in. Well, what was that, like take two or something, you know? You know, what was the cartridge doing on the floor as he went in? This is the footage from the shooter himself, Brenton Tarrant. 
who no one's allowed to talk to. Um, I don't know where he's being held, but anyway. So that inquest is carrying on, and of course that's going to be a nothing burger, I suppose, isn't it? Um, now there's quite a bit here on the front page. These are the brief stories. Wellington Council has accused the mayor of politically motivated attacks, rejects the claims of leaks. Last month, five councillors were subject to a code of conduct complaint made by the mayor, Tori Huanau, or she'd say Tori Farnau, and the deputy mayor, Laurie Foon. Um, margined, oh, look, we've got rumours, rumours of love. The All Blacks return home. What ifs weren't far out for anyone's, in anyone's mind. The All Blacks made an emotional return yesterday. That was the day before yesterday. You can read that story. Who wrote that? Jamie Wall, he's the writer there. He's not a bad bloke. Oh, um, big cyber attacks, increasingly motivated. Now, wasn't it Klaus Schwab that was talking about cyber attacks? I've got that. I'll play that in a minute. So a major financial motiva- motivated cyber attacks in New Zealand. Major financially motivated cyber attacks in New Zealand have exceeded those launched by nation states for the first time. Really? Cyber attacks increasing motivated by money watchdog. Oh, and homeowners face a tough 2024 as interest rates and unemployment bite, according to a broker. Briscoe Group, $179 million profit in the third quarter exceeds expectations. Kamel Sepuloni defends, that's she's the MP, the long-awaited, um, she defends long wait for the official election result, but says it will be, it will be improved. Well, it used to. We used to know what it was straight away. And I don't know. I don't like this business where the, where the voting goes on for a week or so. I think it opened on the 2nd of October. And then it didn't. We didn't. When was it? 14th of October. That's like two weeks. Well, I suppose it gives, the, gives them time, doesn't it? The world, pe- the world government people, the globalist people, <laughs> gives them time to see how things are going. Well, we want Luxon in this time. You know, we've done. We've, Cindy's done her, done her bit. Um, now we'll have, give Luxie a try. He can run run the show for a while, and um, we'll get Cindy. She's she's um, she was good. We ruined it. We ruined her public uh, profile, <laughs> didn't we? Putting her in there, making her do all these terrible things. You know, through the one source of truth, the um, the Ministry of Truth. But uh, and now we've got Luxie. He's the globalist uh, little puppet. He's in there running the show now. He'll be running it for the next three years, running the country into the ground. Uh, don't he? Everything he does, everything they do, will be for them. It won't be for us. It's just going to be worse. We hire everything, and let's see if any of those forty-seven policies that Winston Peters says that he wants to have changed. Some of them sound pretty good, but let's see them. Let's see none of them come to fruition. None of them. You know, like he's going to reopen Marsden Point, uh, or I don't know if he actually said reopen Marsden Point, but he certainly said we need to have our own. Uh, refinery here in this country. I mean, fancy the government letting that happen. Well, they do it for a reason, so it makes us independent, uh, more dependent. So we, they don't want nation states being independent. They want to destroy the nation state, and they want to bring us all in under a one-world government. That's that's a plan. I mean, if you you've got to have rocks in your head if you don't realise that's what's going on. Of course it is. That's what's happening. It's all heading towards that beast. I know people call it a beast system. You know, that's the beast is the antichrist. He's the guy that's going to run the show, run the whole world from. Uh, Jerusalem, actually, according to the Bible, but it'll start off probably in somewhere like Brussels or New York or wherever, and then he'll move his headquarters once he's got full control. The Roman Catholic Church will help him, and this is my take on it anyway. When I read it, it makes sense to me. Um, I don't sort of like spiritualize the Bible. I just read read what it says, and if it, you know, and just believe what it says. You just believe it, and um, 
yet it sounds like he's going to get, get uh, assassination attempt to start off with. And then when he then when he gets he'll miraculously come back to life. Bitch, it'll be uh, three days, sort of in a counterfeit of Jesus Christ, who was in the grave for three days and three nights. So it'll be something like that, and he'll wake up and everybody go, "Wow, oh, he must be God." And he'll say he's the Messiah. He'll make himself out to be God. And he'll stand in the temple in Jerusalem and, and put an image of himself in there. The, the Lord Jesus Christ, and also Daniel, calls it the abomination of desolation. And then it says, when you see that in there, run for the hills. So I don't know what's going to happen. Some kind of a nuclear explosion or something? I don't know. I think millions of people are going to be lost. Millions of lives are going to be lost in the Middle East before the Lord actually returns to this earth, puts his foot down on it, uh, down on the Mount of Olives, apparently. And it's going to break and it's going to split in two when he does that. He must be huge. He must be coming back big. He won't be gentle Jesus when he comes back. Uh, the Bible says when Jesus Christ returns, he's going to take vengeance because of, of what, what uh, the, the world has done to the Jews, persecuting them, and to the Christians, the Lord's people. And um, so... He's going to be angry. But the Bible says he returns in flaming fire with his mighty angels. And it also says with in another part of the Bible in the Old Testament, it says the Lord returns with ten thousands of his saints. Ten thousands of his saints. So I don't know how many that is. It'd be quite a few. And mighty angels. And they'll be like, you know, they'll just be able to leap across buildings and not be in, injured. They'll be Will, the, the saints will be incredible and it's just a mighty host will return to the earth and the Lord says he's going to take vengeance on all those that, people that know not God all the atheists and all the people that have persecuted people like Klaus Schwab and all these halfwits that have you know, been injecting us with biological experimental um, bioweapons some people call them just rubbish and filling us up with this stuff as if we, as if we need to have stuff injected into us to keep us healthy what kind of an existence is that well i suppose if you're an atheist and you think that that you know we we can make you better we can rebuild him we can make him better you know, like the six million dollar man if you've got that idea and you think that you're actually like a demigod some of these doctors you know they're atheistic doctors they they're like demigods they think that that science can improve but in actual fact you know they god is way ahead of them he just sits in the heavens the bible says that god sits in the heavens and laughs laughs at man it just laughs. You imagine that. Uh, so we've got other things happening here. Uh, oh, no. Misinformation. <laughs> Microbiologist and science communicator, Dr. Susie Wiles. What a silly way to spell your name, Susie, like, like the Sioux Indians. Susie Wiles, she's suffered a, she suffers a pandemic backlash. Good, you silly pink elephant. Uh, John Ansell, I like what he calls it. He calls it the beach well because every, we, we were all, she said, stay home, go home and stay home. And we were all locked up in the house and she was telling us to, to stay home. And then someone videoed her and a, you know, her and a fat daughter um, sunning themselves like a couple of beached whales on the beach somewhere. And they should have been going home and staying home. Go home, stay home. But they didn't. They're out there just doing the exact opposite of what and you know what she should have been doing which was staying home and I've gone on to another page and I don't know where I am here we are um, okay so that's there that's here the the briefings for Radio New Zealand we'll, we'll have a look at um, News Hub in just a second I'll be right back in just one moment just one moment what is it 12 minutes to six. Halls are dead silent you could hear a pin drop 
because nobody's said so clearly for like 50 years that almost all the meaning that you will need to get you through the hard times of your life is going to be a consequence of adopting responsibility not of rights and impulsive action impulsive freedom like fine rights yeah got it freedom no problem even freedom to do impulsive things fine but that isn't where you're going to find the meaning that keeps you sustained through the storms of life that's going to be you take care of yourself you take care of your intimate partner you take care of your damn family you don't run off you take care of your community you rescue the wisdom from the past you stand up straight and you be courageous despite the fact that life is tragic and tainted by malevolence it's like that's the that's ancient wisdom that's what that is oh there we are it's a bad ending there i like him jordan peterson he's a meat eater as well oh he said he said i think he is around he said he said I think he's around about the same weight and he's building muscle. He's 60, no, 57 or something like that. And he said he's actually building muscle. You can't, us old people, we can't build muscle. It's impossible. He had gum disease as well. It's impossible to get rid of that. He's gone, gone, because he's now just on the carnivore diet. I don't know whether he's like me and eats some milk and cheese. I, I drink the milk. <laughs> cheese. Um, sheep's milk's better than cow's milk too, by the way, for, for human beings. Uh, butter's butter. Cow's milk's good for butter, but sheep's milk is what you want for drinking. Because the Bible says the milk of the ewe and the butter of the kine. So, butter, kine is cattle, uh, cows. Anyway, so that's that. So he's eating, eating meat, and he's all these things. He's just so much better now. And he said that he weighs what he weighed when he's twenty-two as well, like me. I lost the I lost pretty much sixteen kgs in the first th- three months just poured off me and I wasn't starving myself I was eating like crazy you know because I was so used to being full all the time you know with your potatoes and your when you know all your all your vegetables and all that sort of stuff and then in the morning you get up and have cereal and you just had to be full all the time and um and so now so I started off as eating like about five steaks a day it cost a fortune if you went into the supermarket but we've got home kill here but it's still not cheap uh really you know by the time you buy a cow you look after it for like two years and then kill it. Um, and then you've got to get some butcher that knows what he's doing to make it into something worthwhile eating. Um, it costs a lot of money. You know, it could be 700 to to 1000 bucks. you know, by the time you have it shot and and processed. That's quite a bit of money. Plus, your, your animal's probably worth a couple of grand. So, you know, it's up there. One beast, three grand. Uh, well, you want a bit of meat out of it. Seems to, I seem to be powering through it. But I'm not eating quite as much as I was at the early stages now because I'm used to the idea of just, I think everything's shrunk. Um, you know, don't eat so much. But oh, I just feel so much better just being on the full carnivore diet. It's just um, incredible. You feel alive, you know, and you don't feel... Uh, honestly, I mean, I can, I'm walking all over this farm now and I, because my gator, I've got one of those John Deere gators, which is six wheeler. It's got four. It's got four wheels, a four by four, four driving wheels when you need it. Although well, steering goes on you when you put it on four, <laughs> four, and you can go over the bank. She's pretty steep, you know, and she's low to the ground too. I wanted something low to the ground. Didn't want to tip it over. I might put a roll cage on it or roll bar anyway, just in case I wouldn't want anything to happen to me. Although you know, the Bible says absent from the body, present with the Lord. So it's not a real big deal. But you know, those you leave behind, you know. Oh, Dad. Anyway, I'm out here on my own too, and I should really have one of those beeping it's a pretty big property and i can't find my whistle i normally have a whistle on me which is one of those the ones that people that do wood you know the um you know the people that are you know felling trees all the time the the timber guys they have them and i i always have it with me just in case and i have a first aid kit on my 
on my belt usually, although I haven't, and I can't find my whistle. And um, the mobile phone, I suppose you could crawl back to your vehicle with one leg missing, I suppose, after you've chopped it off with a chainsaw, I suppose. Mm, I don't know, you wouldn't last very long, I don't think. You'd have to be pretty good. Make sure you've got something around for a tourniquet. These are the things you've got to think of, don't you, ahead of time. Do you know, thinking, just talking about that, and thinking about that, in Israel, they teach their children, especially the ones down in the south there, that are getting bombs, you know, and that, I mean, even before this October 7th, before Hamas, the terrorists came in, flew in and started massacring them, they were getting rockets every day. Rockets get sent from Gaza into them. You know, the people that provide, the Israelis provide them with power and water and, you know, a lot of aid from Israel goes into the feed your enemies. And that's what they do because they're, you know, they've got biblical principles, the Israelis. And, um, they, they're still firing rockets at them almost every day. But getting back to the tourniquet thing, they teach the kids how to do that, that first aid stuff, to save your life. Put a tourniquet on. I'm just thinking about it. Gosh, what have I got? Need a stick or something, wouldn't you? And a belt. You know, if I did chop the bottom of a leg off, wouldn't, you wouldn't last very long without using, being able to use a tourniquet. And then what do I do? If I haven't got, I need an emergency beacon. I think for about 500 bucks, you can buy those emergency beacons, can't you? And you can just call in. I mean, I have the phone with me, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I leave it in the truck, and I probably shouldn't, or in the gator, or the tractor, you know. I was up there with the tractor. It's so wet with all the rain we've had, I couldn't actually get the vehicles up there. I tried to, and, oh, man, slipping and sliding all over the place. And um, so I had to get the tractor. And actually, tractor left less, my the, the ute, well, the, even though it's got the big knobbly tyres, the um, the flat deck, it used, it actually made more Pharaohs, you know, sort of like made a worse mess, a worse mess. Yeah, it was worser. And but when I drove the tractor beside it, just you know, half a day later, I suppose you could argue that the wind and sun had dried it out a bit more. But it didn't seem to be as aggressive on the ground. And so you know, I so saw up there with the tractor, and I hauled a couple of logs out yesterday. So I don't know, is it worth it? Firewood? You might as well buy it. I spent two days. I mean, the rains must mess me up. Right, two days getting. A couple of four meter logs out. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. You know, ended up dragging them out. I was going to, what was I going to do with them? I was going to put them on the log arch, but anyway, it was all wet and slimy. And they seemed to not leave too much of a mess. I just dragged them out behind the tractor. But what a rigmarole. Oh, I cut one down, the flipping thing, and it went, I thought, oh, that'll just land on the track there below it. And it copped it, cut, cut it down, cut it in half, and the flipping thing rolled across the road and then down the bank and smashed into a fence. And, you know, like about 20 metres away. Oh, no. So then I had to get the, the... I got the ute out, got a rope on it, and then I put a belay point around another big tree. I think it was a peruri or something like that. Put a great big strap around that. And then I had a sort of a block, big heavy block, and I put a rope, sort of a three-braided rope, big one through that, tied it on, made the stupid mistake of tying that onto the tree instead of the chain because it pulls tight and you can't get it off. So I had to chop it off with a little one of those little boys axes <laughs> you know? so I've ruined my ropes and uh, gosh well then what, what happened then so you know, managed to get oh and then it got sort of caught round a tree and um, just about ripped the tow bar just about ripped the bottom out of the ute oh, I it. so I had to walk all the way down grab the tractor bring that up and this was before it started raining so it was kind of dry and, um, and anyway it's been it's been like actual physical days working it's been two half days just trying to get two logs out of the bush. <laughs> just nuts. And I reckon I'm going to go the horse track because you make less mess 
and you just have your harness horse there with your, you know, just drive them. Just you don't even need a forecart, nothing. You just drive them and just walk beside them, and you then you just um, hook hook the log on and you just walk it out. I mean, one one horse, a good a good standard breed, a decent sized standard breed. I don't know. I don't know any, any age really, probably a bit older than three. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're quite calm anyway. They are with me anyway because I, I work on them to getting getting them calm. But um, one a good horse, you pull that out, pull a log out, and if you had more than one, say you wanted to put six, you just have a, a team of them, a couple of standard breds, be perfect. That's what they were for anyway. The standard breds were farming horses. The farmers used to go to go to them, go to the fair, and they'd have horse racing, and that's how they did it. That's how it started in the states. And everyone had a farm horse. Standard bred here in New Zealand was basically a farm horse, a working horse. They've changed a bit now. You know, they're a bit lighter now, a bit smaller, the little speedy ones. We had a little speedy one. And then we had one that was a bit bigger, had a head like a barn door. <laughs> That's sort of the old school. They've changed, you know, macro evolution, micro, micro evolution, not macro. No such thing as micro. There's never been, getting onto evolution, there's never been one species, uh, sorry, one kind, like a dog kind, has never been bred into an uh, to a cat kind. It doesn't happen. You see lots of different changes within the kinds, different you know, and you have all these different species within the kind, but you never see this never actually happened. That's because it doesn't happen. Because there are kinds. But the evolutionists don't like you talking about kinds, they like to talk about species because they like to they like to say we came from a rock. That your great 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 granddaddy was a rock and they go, Oh no, that's silly. Well, you know, no. No, not really. They they believe that that there was nothing, absolutely nothing, and then there was something. Then all the and then all the what you see now came about from nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Never mind the amoeba. Where did that come from? <laughs> so either you came from something or you came from nothing. I'll go with the something because, um, well, think about it. Everything. If you just look around. Everything comes from something. For every effect, there must be a cause. So it's just, it's crazy talk to say that evolution is where we came from. How did we get here? We evolved. That doesn't answer the question. And when you ask that question, when they come back and say, oh, evolution, you just say, no, I didn't ask you how we evolved. (laughs) You just say, I want to know, where did life begin? Oh, and that fools them. Even that other half foot, that old absolute atheist, what's his name? He wrote the the God delusion. Name escapes me for a minute. Yeah, I try and forget the I try and forget crazy people's names, but he said he even had to admit that there could have been a self-existing life force present, and all things came from that. And we go, yeah, that's what we believe too. We just we call that God. You can call it what you like. There was always a self-existing. That's the cutting edge of science now. A lot of scientists out there, they believe there must have been a self-existing life force. Self-existing. Because people say, where did God become? Well, where did God come from, rather? And But, you know, it's quite logical, quite reasonable to believe there must have been a self-existing life force present. And all things came from that. It's better than you came from nothing, isn't it? Just crazy to think that you came from nothing. Nothing comes from nothing. Living matter, non-living matter, cannot produce, reproduce living matter. So something that's non-living can't produce living matter. That's, I think it's one of the Huxleys said that. Now we've got TNT Radio News coming up very shortly and then after the TNT Radio News I'll be back to give you a brief weather update with what's happening in your part of the country 
what else have I got coming up for you? Oh, I've got all sorts of funny things. We've got got one or two people over on Rumble there. We've got a swag of people on the um, on the on the apps. Good on you. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the program and uh, my natter. And uh, so, yeah, we'll have TNT Radio News. It's just about to happen, so we're going to catch the end of the hour. I guess it's uh, around about five o'clock in the morning in the UK. Five o'clock, uh, no, five o'clock in the evening over there because we've got daylight saving here that shunts us forward another hour. So I think they're um, thirteen. I think we're thirteen hours ahead of them. We're the first to see the sun. Did you know that here in New Zealand, Mount Hikarangi, when the sun hits that, we're the first to start trading in in the world. Barry Smith told me that. <laughs> That's why that, that cashless society is probably going to be first in Australia and New Zealand. We're the guinea pig country. We'll have the cashless. They're already doing it now. Okay, here's the TNT Radio News coming up right now, and I'll see you just after that. Play of this hour. Go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. 400 Americans are on an approved list to be allowed to go to Egypt in the second day of evacuations out of Gaza. A lot of people are dying. A lot of people are under the rubbles of buildings. This is my fifth attempt to leave. Some wounded Palestinians have also been allowed out. Officials in Gaza say the number of Palestinians killed tops 9,000. 18 Israeli soldiers are also dead as they push the fight against Hamas deeper into Gaza. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht, the IDF's international spokesman, told CNN on Tuesday evening that the decision to bomb a refugee camp in Gaza was justified to take out a very senior Hamas commander in that area. I mean, we, as you know, we've been saying for days, move south. Civilians are not involved with Hamas. Please move south. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to get a little we, bit more information. Uh, you knew there were civilians there. You knew there were refugees, all sorts of refugees. But you decided to still drop a bomb on that refugee camp attempting to kill the Hamas commander. By the way, was he killed? I can't confirm yet. Yes, will be more uh, updated. He, yes, we know that he was killed. Um, about the civilians there, we're doing everything we can to minimize. Uh, I'll tell it, I'll say it again. Sadly, they are hiding themselves within civilian population. And again, we are doing this stage by stage, and we're going to go after every one of these terrorists who was involved in that heinous attack on the 7th of October. Meanwhile, President Biden says he wants a humanitarian pause to allow more aid into Gaza. House Speaker Mike Johnson. Israel doesn't need a ceasefire. It needs its allies to cease with the politics and deliver support now. And that's what we're doing. House Republicans can vote to approve today $14 billion in military aid to just Israel. But the president has vowed to veto that because he wants to bundle that aid with more funding for Ukraine's war against Russia. Germany could scrap a 90 billion pound fighter project with France and join a rival program with the UK instead. Ahead of the deal, the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is understood to be in talks on lifting their veto on a delivery of Eurofighter Typhoon jets in Saudi Arabia. The move would bolster relations with Britain even further, as the UK considers the Middle Eastern country strategically important. If Germany and the UK were to team up, it would likely intensify a rift between Berlin and Paris, as both nations already hold contrasting opinions on issues from air defense to diplomatic protocol. The upcoming summit in Malta is seen as a platform for Ukrainian officials to court neutral countries, according to the agency. 
China is likely to skip a major international meeting of security officials in Malta this week devoted to resolving the Ukraine conflict. The gathering, which is expected to be attended by representatives of more than 50 nations, will revolve around the Kiev-backed peace formula that is rejected by Moscow. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says President Zelensky has been relegated to the back burner of international affairs. Zelensky's peace summits that he's been touting for months, it all came to a screeching halt once the fighting broke out in the Gaza Strip. Zelensky has been effectively relegated to the back burner of international affairs. He's been touting this peace plan. The only problem, this peace plan doesn't involve any actual peace. So no surprise that the Chinese delegation are simply not interested. He's come knocking and they've told the little man in the green t-shirt to go take a hike. China says, we're busy at the moment. We don't have time to deal with you. Can you just go away for now? We've got bigger fish to fry, namely the brewing situation in the Middle East in Palestine where the Israelis continue their assault on the Gaza Strip and how this threatens to destabilize the region more broadly. That's what China's concerned with, not photo ops with Zelensky and his peace process. That doesn't involve any actual peace. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. Five past six. Good morning. Liberty NZ here with Grant Edwards. We've got weather next, and then we'll have a look at uh, stuff.co.nz and see what they've got on their front page of the fake stream media. Now, this is the problem. We have modern women that have nothing else to offer except for their looks. When their looks start to fade and go, older women would say, you know what, you might need to act a little different. You're supposed to move different. You're a mom now. Like, guys, I don't think it's crazy that we don't do the same thing at 16 that we do at 30. That's right, five past six past five, six past six. Gosh, time is flying. Time flies when you're having fun. We're over at Stuff, and we're looking at the front page there, and what have they got for us? Well, home detention for young Nomad. Nomad is a gang for those listening from overseas. It's one of our gangs. We've got lots of gangs. We've got more gang members than we've got policemen in our country. So I think the Maoris, are, a lot of Maori gangs, and I think that what's their, that's their little private army, isn't it, that they'll use, I suppose, in the future. And we know we heard, I'll just go back one to another one here that I was just looking at before on News Hub, this little story here. This is um, the, the Maori Party. They warn of uprising, uh, uprising of hikoi, and, and all hikois. I don't, I'm not sure what that means, actually. I should know, but I can't, I don't know, I can't be bothered just getting on with, getting on with building the country, building a, building a business here. Uh, anyway, this is if the upcoming government responds to landmark foreshore seabird decision. So they're threatening probably violence, I would say. Absolute, well, yeah, there's a lot of violence. The violent minority. It's going to be an uprising from the violent minority. Anyway, I know that some of you might not like me saying that, but it's true. If you think about it, they are the violent minority. Most of the crime is caused by Maori, and most of the accidents are caused by old Asian women. <laughs> Home detention for the young nomad. This is a man involved in a violent carjacking and police chase, and that will he was going to serve... Ten and a half months home detention at a property once frequented by police and gangs. That's not a and and you know what I've I know this for a fact. There are spare beds and even little houses in prisons. Spare beds in the prisons. There's plenty of room for these prisoners. The government, this one that's going out, they have a policy of catch and release, especially if they're Maoris, not allowed to arrest them unless it's for p p um importation or something like that because that's apparently according to Greg Hallett it was the police that introduced pee into the country to give them something to do I suppose they've got to have an industry <laughs> and there'll be money to be made I suppose 
cousins turn up with a gun minutes after grandmother's shot, the court was told yesterday. Man says that three of his cousins turned up on his doorstep asking him to hide a gun. A Mary. Oh, so it's not a Mary. <laughs> I thought it was one. Of, a Mary's one of those, um, a Maori. Apparently they reckon they use them, you know, in battle. They would have done well before before the, um, you know, like that would have been like hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years they might have used Marys because they were a Stone Age culture. But no, they used tomahawks. If you look at all the old 19th century newspapers here in New Zealand of all the killings, I think there was at least 95 Maoris killed, marauding gangs of Maoris killed at least 95 innocent men, women and children. You know, farmers out you know, looking at looking at stock. Uh, a little boy, one one account, little boy going out to get um, fruit. I think he was going to pick pears for his mother, and he was bludgeoned to death with a tomahawk. So the Maoris used tomahawks. But anyway, so no, the word is mere minutes. I thought it was a Mary. Anyway, mere minutes after the Crown says that the grandmother was shot in her home. Wow, oh, I suppose we could have a quick look at that. I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. Um, there's lots of crime going on there. I sort of choose not to look at it too much. Um, Milami Fisiosi was shot. Oh, that's the one. Yes, that's the one we read about the other day. That's when they were just basically sitting in the... Um, I think he was asleep and she got shot. The man says that he visited... He was visited by three of his cousins who asked him to hide a gun uh, which they described as hot, when it was stolen, in other words, just minutes or, you know, unregistered or you know, I don't know if you have to register guns yet. They're starting to, but... They obviously weren't allowed to have a gun. Just minutes after the grandmother was shot at point-blank range. Oh, dear. Oh, well, that, that killed her in her living room. And so these brothers, together with the cousin, they're jointly charged with murdering this woman. That happened in January a couple of years ago, or three years ago now, January 2020 it was. And they're also charged with shooting a month earlier that left a man with a serious, serious injuries in his abdomen. So they're, they're a bad little buggers, aren't they? And all three of them pleaded not guilty. <laughs> oh, they'll get home detention, I suppose. They're islanders. They're pretty violent too, according to my, my friend down at, um, at Wellington. He was a taxi driver for years. Down in, he said that Maoris and the, and the islanders were just as bad. They were wonderful. They go to church Sunday, all good, lovely. You wouldn't think butter would melt in their mouth. And then they work hard on the building site. They worked a bit harder than the Marys, apparently, the islanders. They're pretty good workers. But then on Friday night when they went out, boy, they go out looking for a fight. They actually went out to look for a fight. They like fighting. And they're built like, honestly, they've got, they've got fantastic physiques, haven't they, the islanders? I mean, they really are very strong specimens of human beings. So that's that little case in court. Just a nasty business. A person's of interest for the baby Roo. That's the one that's the homicide. Uh, the little baby, 11-month-old baby boy was bludgeoned, hit with, you know, died of, oh, this is the appearance or someone looking after it. Two weeks from his death, police have still not yet made any arrests over the death of the Wellington toddler. And the, and the, the name for it, you know, that, that's got to be a warning sign, don't you? The name is Ruthless Empire, and then a string of other names, and they just call him Rue for short. Ruthless Empire. Fancy calling your child that. I mean, they should be locked up for that alone shouldn't be allowed. I mean, you're not allowed to call your child Satan. <laughs> I think that's against the law. Or, or devil. Names like that, you're not allowed to use. I mean, ruthless empire? What is wrong with these people? They're just nuts, aren't they? Just something is screwballs. Too much time on their hands. Not enough hard work. Too much giving them the dole. 
Now that dole for other for people overseas, that's sort of like an unemployment benefit. Here in New Zealand, it's not an emergency thing. Basically, if people just live off it, and they expect, you know, generations of New Zealanders, uh, mostly Maori, uh, I have to say, although yeah, pretty much mostly Maori, they were they getting back all that all the white people have taken off them. They want it back in the form of dole money or um, you know benefits, and they basically just just uh, you know they don't even have to go in and line up for it or anything. It's not it's not a short term gap while they get another job. They're actually making more money than if they go out to work. That's that's pretty poor, isn't it? Well, they, I don't know if they make more, but um, they just sit at home and um, smoke pee and um, drink beer, which they shouldn't be. I don't know how they can afford to if they're on the dole. You know, if you're on a benefit, how can you afford to drink beer? Um, and Pete, well, that's why they do crime. Pretty much all of the gang members, pretty much all of them, I think, some of them might work, but a lot of those gang members, they're, they're getting, uh, we're paying for them. You know, us taxpayers, middle, middle New Zealand, which is slowly becoming, you know, paupers, we're paying for gang members to, uh, you know, to c- commit crime against us. So we, we keep them in food and drugs and alcohol, and while they, you know, while the kids are starving, and then we've got to look after the kids as well. <laughs> so we look after them while they rob us, you know, and terrorise us. It's just a crazy situation we've got it, and the government's allowed it because the government's left-wing globalists, and that's all part of the plan is to is to make crime increase. Crime has got to increase. Why? Or then we can bring in, we can save you. We can bring in with the, we can bring in. Um, all this technology, which we, we can surveil everyone, so we'll have um, uh, facial recognition, we'll have a cashless society, so you can't buy and sell, except having you have no cash, so that's going to end crime. Uh, they won't be able to just break in and you know into your house and then rob everything out of it and then go and sell it for cash. There'll be none of that, so that'll go. So crime will end. And if someone a baddie will be caught, he'll be picked up at point of sale instead of. You know, on the on the run, won't be able to use cash, and that'll you know. So every time you go to buy something, uh, you got to pay for it, and people will know who you are. They'll know what your buying record is. But that's all designed to enslave all of us. So they want crime to get bad, so that we will cry out and say, "Hey, can we have the totally surveil? Uh, we want to be totally surveilled, so that it'll bring crime down." So that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing all over the world. It's just all part of a satanic plot to enslave. Humanity and these uh, wealthy elites, they think that they're going to be running it, but they're not actually. The devil himself is going to be running it, and they're just going to be used, just like everybody. Everyone the devil has, he always uses them. That's why people that are into demonic stuff, you know, into this devil worship and all this other rubbish, you know, Ouija boards and all that, half the time they end up topping themselves, don't they? Kill themselves. When he's finished with you, the devil kills you, just like Judas Iscariot. Once he'd done that dirty business for the 30 pieces of silver and handed in Jesus to the officials... Uh, he went and hung himself, didn't he? Devil says, "God, you might as well hang yourself, hang yourself now." But the devil himself actually entered into Judas Iscariot. I don't know if people realise that he actually was possessed by Satan—not just devils, but Satan himself, the god of this world, came in into him and made him do that. And that's what the Bible says. And there was all these devils and people all around the cross. We know that because we read read in Psalms chapter twenty-two. Everyone reads the twenty-third Psalm, don't they? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Everyone reads that. But the one before it, that's the one you want to read. It was written a thousand years by King David. And all of a sudden, 
it, it, uh, he just starts writing, obviously just writing, and the, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke through David. And it give, in that, it details the crucifixion of our Lord. A thousand years before it happened, it details it. It says that evil dogs surround me. The bulls of Bashan, it calls them that, you know. I don't know, I don't know why. He sees things in people that we, can't, we don't know, we can't see. And it's just like that line, the witch in the woodrow, when all those animals were around the lion when he was being sacrificed because the lion, as C.S. Lewis did it this way, that's a picture of Jesus Christ, the lion of Judah, being sacrificed for the sins of someone else, giving his life, a perfect life for someone else. And the Bible says there's no greater love than a man lay down his life for a friend. I think it's a man. might not be a man. might be than to someone to lay down their life for a friend. That's, there's no greater love than that. And uh, so anyway... Um, that's that's uh, that's uh, yes, and I've sort of gone off the track a bit. Seventeen minutes past six, and um, I'm a bit like that. Had a bit of a late night. Got up late. You know, alarm woke woke me up this morning. Doesn't normally. Normally I'm up before the alarm, but uh, I felt like I didn't really have a proper proper snooze. And when that happens, it's not so good. Well, the last thing I read, I think, was talking about that little baby boy that was bludgeoned to death, and you know, people fancy calling your child. Um, ruthless empire you just have to be a half foot wouldn't you just mental people there uh, police probe Auckland school over hospital uh, sorry. I don't know how I got hospital out of historical I do that sometimes I don't know why uh, anyway the historical sexual abuse allegations the complaints involved a teacher and a rugby coach employed at King's College between 1988 and 94 all these perverts that work with kids I think if anyone wants to work with children they need to be, you know, the fact that you actually want to be a high school teacher or, or a primary school teacher, I think they need to do more. Um, you need to be sort of go through some more rigorous tests, I think. And people just are allowed to go into these things and everyone just assumes that everyone's okay. But as the world becomes more and more, you know, just evil, really, um, and, you know, so many, it seems to me that evil people find their way into churches too. Wicked people just look. I mean, what would you do if if you were the devil? <laughs> That's what I would. If I was the devil, if I put my evil cap on for a minute, what would I do? Well, I'd change the Bible. I'd go in and just change it a little bit. I'd corrupt it so that people wouldn't know what was the real Bible. I'd corrupt it and have all false versions everywhere. Well, that's what's happened, isn't it? That's what we've got. And well, I joined the seminaries where people learn about Christianity. You know, that's that semen, semen. That's the beginning, the beginning of you know learning. This, that's the the college, the Bible colleges or the seminaries, and I would get in. I would put my people in there. That would be um, that would teach them away from the truth. You know, start teaching them things like you know Jesus isn't really God. You didn't really have the Holy Spirit until after he was baptized. All this sort of nonsense, you know, and you know, all this rubbish. Uh, that's what I'd be doing. What else would I do? I just want to confuse them, really. That would be the job, is to confuse the enemy. And the Bible says the God of this world is Satan. So if he's the God of this world, he's the enemy of the Lord's people, the true Christians. He's the enemy. He's God's enemy. And so, you know, in warfare, those are the sorts of things you do. You have um, people in enemy lines that are pretending to be on your side, wearing your uniform, and they're not. <laughs> Um, secret agents, you know, double agents, all that sort of stuff. It's warfare. We're in a war. And um, every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. If you really saw what was going on, if we could see the battles that's actually happening right now, the spiritual battles, if we could actually see that, we can't see it. But if we could, 
you'd be you'd be it would be horrendous it would terrify you i think and uh so but we don't know what's going on because we've just got these mortal mortal beings we are and we're not like we're going to be when the lord returns the bible says our bodies will be changed in a twinkling of an eye in a moment will be changed our body if we're alive here and when the lord returns in the air our bodies will be changed and then the dead people that people that have died that i believe in jesus christ they'll be raised from the dead first and then we'll see them they might come and knock on the door Oh, hello, Mum and Dad. How are you? Haven't seen you for 25 years. You all right? Oh, good. We are. Must, be, must be getting ready to, for the rapture, is it? Yes. Oh, we are. Okay. Well, let's go. Come in and have a cup of tea while we're waiting. And um, then we get caught up together with them, the Bible says, in First Thessalonians 4, in the clouds, together with those people that have arrived. They rise first, though. We don't. We change. So they rise and we change all at the same time. I don't know what happens. The blood just, we lose the blood, lose our corrupted blood. What are we going to be powered with if we don't have blood? I don't know. Probably the same as Adam and Eve did. We'll be like them. They were immortal before they disobeyed God in the garden. They were immortal beings. They could live forever. But of course we can't because of that sin. So we've inherited, we've, we haven't inherited Adam and Eve's sin. A lot of people think that. We've inherited death. You won't find anywhere in the Bible that says we inherited their sin. That's just nonsense. Sin came into the world, but that doesn't mean to say that we've inherited their sin. We're not, we're not born sinful creatures. We're born perfect. The corrupt new versions, as I was saying before, if I was the devil, I'd corrupt the versions. They say that you're a sinner from birth. In the new international version, it says there that David was a sinner from conception, which is an absolute lie. King James Bible doesn't say that. It says he was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. The, the subject matter is not David, the baby. The subject matter is the mother. Something there, I'm not sure. Something about that, about that whole thing, um, with his birth. But he was perfect, and then he sinned when he got of age. When he's a baby, he doesn't he's not responsible for his sin? Christians, you know, we just mocked. People laugh at us because you know, some people think that babies are born uh, sinners, and that is just so far from the truth. It's not funny. So far. Uh, because they read corrupt Bibles and they listen to stupid people uh, that have been influenced by satanic forces that have crept into the church. Bible warns us there'll be those that creep into the church. The church is the people. They creep in amongst us and start talking nonsense, Gnostic rubbish. But when you're born, you're born a perfect little baby without sin. That's what the Bible says. If you've got a King James, it says that anyway. If you've got a corrupt version, well then that's why you, that's why you think like you do. It's like the Roman Catholics. They think you've got to be christened first. That's, uh, you can't go to heaven unless you're christened. But that's just nonsense. It's because they, that's because Acts 8.37 has been removed from their Bible, where it says, so Philip says to the eunuch, uh, he says, well, the eunuch says, look, there's some water over there. He'd been preaching Jesus to him on the chariot from Isaiah 53. And he said, well, I believe that. Oh, that's good. And he said, well, you believe, if you believe that, then you're saved, and then you can be baptized as an outward expression of your inward faith, your inward belief. And the eunuch says to Philip, look, there's water over there. Can we stop the chariot and, and you can baptize me? And he says, well, you, I will if you believe. And the, and the eunuch says, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That was a salvation verse, Acts 8.37. Remove from most new versions. Why would that be? Who takes away the words of God? There's a clue. Got a clue there. 
starts with D or S. <laughs> 25 minutes past six, is it? 23. Gosh, my clock on the wall is a bit faster than the one on the computer. So it's, um, yes, it is moving a bit quick. I'll be back in a minute and uh, I'll just give myself to swallow and um, have a cough and uh, maybe a sip of water. I'll be right back. While Justin Trudeau makes a compelling case study, he is not the only dictator on the rise. Under the new rules provided by the COVID-19 emergency, many other elected leaders were empowered to show their true colors. Interesting how they all marched in perfect lockstep while chanting the same slogans. This pandemic has provided an opportunity. Here we are now with an economy in crisis, but with an incredible opportunity. It's certainly a major crisis, but it also offers us a unique opportunity. Unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset. The great opportunity for reset. Opportunity for us to reset. For a reset. It's almost as if they all attended the same school of thought and studied under the same professor. Some people would say this revolution is characterized by the fight of robots against human beings. And we will win this fight. Yes, we'll, we'll win this fight. That is Klaus Schwab there, your friend. Klaus Schwab. Now I've got something here. I'm just going to move away. I'm going to move away for a moment. I'm, um, I want you to hear an interview Ben Shapiro did. And we're talking about why there cannot be a halt in this war. Israel cannot stop what they're doing now. And I'm just going to quickly uh, bring that in. I've just imported it into my little program. And we're going to just have a listen to this. Tell me what you think. So right now, Israel has turned off the water and the power. And they've announced the water and power in the Gaza Strip are going to remain off until Hamas releases the hundred or so hostages that they are currently holding. And already you're starting to hear rumblings from the world. Oh, well, isn't that collective punishment? And the answer is, well, when Hamas has honeycombed itself into these areas, how exactly would you expect Israel to accomplish its goals? I wasn't aware that um, after you murder everybody's everybody's children, they have an obligation to provide you water and power. (laughs) That's right. Isn't that incredible? And, uh, you know, what 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 happened during the Second World War when we knew that we were going to be invaded by Germany, when we thought that that was the case and that was what they're going to do? They started bombing. Well, what do we do with our kids? What do we do? Do we put them um, in the buildings and use them as human shields against the Nazis um, flying over, you know, trying to trying to bomb us? Did we? Do we use? No, we didn't. We put them on trains and we sent them to the country. That's what happened in the 1940s. I can remember my father-in-law in the UK. Um, he was, I think, he was about how old was he? He was quite young. He ended up. They put him on. They put them on trains and they left to go north, well away from the danger because it, it seemed that down in Southampton and all around those areas and you know sort of south of London plus London itself got a real hammering didn't it gosh did it ever and um, so they got the kids out but you, the Hamas don't do that they don't get their kids out they use them they use women and children as human shields so it's very difficult to fight a war when, the, when you've got an enemy doing that who love life and we had that guy Yusef who was a father was um he's a leader and uh he's he's now he's been 27 months in an israeli prison for you know for doing terrible things and he said he met many many um palestine so-called palestinians that are in prison with him that had blood on their hands our killers and uh you know israel is paying for their education and uh they're allowed to do all this sort of stuff so it's just incredible how the whole world is holding israel you know, trying to pretend that Israel are the baddies in this after, you know, you've been attacked by the, 
by these uh, animals. Well, they're not animals, but they're, you know, obviously they're not. They're human beings, just like we all are. But you know, they've they've been brainwashed by an education system in Gaza, a Muslim education system, which basically says that the Jews must die, all of them. They want to get rid of us. And it's not just Islamics. That was Nazis as well. That was what Hitler, Hitler was carrying out, Roman Catholic orders to kill all the Jews because of replacement theology. Because when the Roman Catholic Church sees the word Israel in the Old Testament, they are teaching their people that Israel means the church now. That's replacement theology. So every time the word Israel is mentioned in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean Israel anymore. It doesn't mean the Jews anymore. But hello, God had other plans. He brought them back into the land which he'd given them, promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, 3,000 years ago when Joshua invaded the Canaanites. And God says, I'll invade the Canaanites because they're, they're filthy people. I've warned them over and over and over. You go in there and take that, and I'm giving you their land. And so he did. He went in there, but he promised them even more. He's, like the, it's huge. Israel is going to be huge. When the Lord Jesus returns, Israel is going to be from the river Euphrates to the Mediterranean and up almost into southern Russia, all the way down to North Africa. That's going to be Israel. And it's going to be set up in 12 different regions from the 12 tribes. Tribes like um, Judah, which Jesus came out of, the tribe of Judah, um, Benjamin, and others. They, the other 12, other 10. So there's 12 in total. And um, so those people have been scattered right throughout the world, just like the Bible said. Those Jewish people, they was, God will scatter you because they've been disobedient. They reject that he sent the Messiah. Jesus Christ came. He was their Messiah. He's, he's Jewish. He's their Messiah. He's in his lineage. I remember a Jewish girl. She became a Christian just by reading Matthew chapter 1, reading the chapter 1, the lineage of Jesus Christ. And she said, oh, no. She couldn't believe it. She started reading it. She said, Jesus is a Jew. Because she was taught he was some Gentile God. And this is what the Jews are doing. That's what they do to their kids. You know, there's some, some Gentile God. That's Jesus. He's a Jew. He's, he goes, right, he can trace his lineage in Matthew chapter 1 all the way back to Adam. And it, there it is. It's just this line coming all the way down. And, um, yeah, but his father was God. That's the thing. His father wasn't Joseph. But Joseph and Mary, they had the same line all the way down, the royal line from the house of David and further back, but not exactly, because if they were exactly the same line, there's a slight difference. And sometimes people like to say, look, see, there's a mistake. In one gospel, it says this, um, it, it shows you the lineage. In the other gospel, it's different. So you see, there's a mistake in the Bible, but it's not a mistake. Because if they were identical, that, that would mean that Joseph and Mary would have been brother and sister. Well, that's that not going to happen, is it? Not by then. You couldn't do that then. Back, back in the early days, yes, incest. That was all part of the deal. Uh, and that was absolutely fine. But then God said no, because after so many generations, you can do that with, with animals on the, on the farm. You can have the same ram. But after a while, after so many generations of breeding, you've got to change them. Otherwise, you get problems with your, with your sheep, and it's the same with mankind. So that's how it would have happened that way. People say, used to yell out to me and say, where did Cain get his wife? And I'd say, well, if I was able, I could tell you. Hmm. Didn't I? Yes, 29 minutes to 7, and um, it's going to be a short program this morning, just, just till 7, because I'm running out of things to say. My mouth is as dry as a wooden god, dry as a fence post, as my mother used to say. Um, and I'm just going to I like this girl Car, um, 
Pearl. Listen to this. She did divorce his ass. And right after the divorce, she was seen with her kid's karate instructor in Italy, vacationing, having a rendezvous. Tom Brady says nothing. But this is what women do, all right? Women will divorce your ass and get mad when you move on because they think you're just going to be under their spell for a lifetime. And when you say, okay, see you, lady, and you get a younger, hotter, tighter model like he did, they get a bit mad. Yeah, they do, don't they? Oh, you do. Oh, yes, you do. And all the guys, I've got lots of male listeners. I, don't, I wonder why. Okay, look, I did forget the weather. I forgot to tell you what was going on. The hottest place in the country right now is Whakatani. She's hot in Whakatani. And Twizel was the coldest, even colder, with the sun coming up, 3.3 degrees down there. What a man, Twizel. It's fr- I, d- I don't know if I'd want to live in a place like that. Uh, I lived in Southland for quite a while. I had a farm down there. It was all right. Not quite a while. We weren't that long. We weren't there that long. Uh, it was a bit of a shame, really. I, I had to come back up because I had some con woman, some German con woman who'd rented quite a nice home that we had up in St. Helier's, and she was paying good rent. Gosh, it was about a thousand bucks a week or something, but she stopped paying. Ah, she made up all these excuses. Anyway, we had to come up. To, I had to come up and, and get her out. So we actually moved. Plus, we had a, a couple of little problems with the home that I needed to sort out, some sort of water ingress that I needed to get fixed so I thought ah oh, stuff it so should we rent shall we rent the house out in Southland or not with the farm should we rent that out I thought ah oh, maybe not so we you know sold it went to auction and we sold it and um, the wife was had become a real estate agent by then so she sold it through her company and we came back up it was a bit of a regret really we, the kids enjoyed it down there and they really went ahead at school Central Southland Primary School is one of the best schools in the country back then I can remember because um, my son went to Little Kings in Remuera there and um, they, the, they said, oh, what the teacher said, oh, well, he'll, he'll learn when he's ready to start learning, you know, English. And I thought that was a bit weird. And then we told the teacher down at Central Southland School, uh, down in Southland, and she said, no, he'll learn, he'll start today. Because, you know, you know that, that's, it's, it's, child, it's not child-led um, education, it's teacher-led and they're very, very good. That was the best out of all the schools, I think, that one. And another one, Tyndall, Tyndall Christian School in Auckland. My son went there as well. And that was very, very good as well. They do um, the Cambridge, I think. They follow Cambridge. They don't do the NCA dumbing down sort of a thing. They were fantastic. Microphone's on. Yep. Okay, now we've got that. The wettest place, of course, is still Hokitika. Not not a heck of a lot. 0.8 millimetres of rain falling there. North Shore, Auckland, still kind of windy. It's kind of the wind has kicked up a bit there. It's 41 kilometres per hour going through there. Twizel's cold, isn't it? 3.3. But everywhere else in the South Island is um, fairly warm, apart from France, Joseph, Stewart Island, Invercargill. They're all on 9 degrees. And Queenstown is quite cold as well. It's almost down there with... Twizel, they've got five degrees at the moment. It's a bit cooler there. It was actually, I think it was seven degrees in Invercargill at about four o'clock when I got out of the sack. Or it might have been earlier, four o'clock. But everywhere else, it's all sort of 11, 12, 14. Wellington's, you know, even the Chathams have got 14 degrees over there. Christchurch is even on 11, 13 in Nelson. Auckland's 16. Whangarei, uh, what have you got, 15 degrees. Kaitai's 16. But um, it's quite warm. Even Masterton, which is a cold hole at the best of places, uh, just sort of north of Wellington, that's got 11 degrees. Uh, and Blenheim and Wellington are both on 13. 26 to 7, and we'll look at that short forecast, first of all, from the west, from north into Taranaki. Also for Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty in the central high country, you've got rain spreading east this morning with thunderstorms possible from northland all the way through to the Bay of Plenty. 
and includes Auckland, of course, it's on the way, isn't it? And also northern Waikato, and then it's going to be easing to isolated showers from about midday. For the remainder of the North Island, you've got isolated showers, but a period of rain late morning and afternoon for the remainder of you. <laughs> in the South Island, now we go to Buller, Buller, Nelson and Marlborough. You've got rain developing in the morning, turning to showers from Buller and Nelson. That's this evening. Then it's going to be heavy as well, possibly with some thunderstorms as well. And then it'll be clearing for Marlborough a bit later in the day. For Canterbury, you have uh, low cloud or fog at times. Rain for a time in the afternoon and evening and possibly heavy as well in Canterbury. For Westland and Fiordland, cloudy periods for you and isolated showers. For Otago and Southland, you've got crowd, uh, cloud cloud funding, uh, cloud breaking through this morning, and then you've got showers this afternoon and evening. Some of them will be heavy, and you'll have thunderstorms as well. Possible, possible sort of the, the hint, the hint, the chance of a thunderstorm. And over the the Chathams, why it's nice and warm at 14 degrees right now, this hour of the morning, 20, uh, 24 minutes to um, seven. It is, um, what did we say, 14 degrees, and it's because it's, it's foggy and drizzly, and you're going to have rain later on tonight. We won't worry about the short forecast, uh, sorry, the um, extended forecast, because we covered that an hour ago. Uh, but I'll be back in a moment, and I'll sort of rattle around the newspapers and see if we can make head and a tail of it. There might be some new stuff as well. I don't know. Um, I also would kind of want to go to the IDF and just sort of see what they're saying. And it just amazes me how people can... They're listening to what terrorists coming, you know, they're listening to terrorist journalists, <laughs> terrorist reports coming out of Gaza. Uh, a lot of it's Hollywood, which is the Palestinian Hollywood, which is Pallywood. You can find out about that if you just go on YouTube or one of those other ones and look up Pallywood. And you can see it there where they actually have like movie crews, you know, pretending that they're being shot at by Israelis and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, the, the destruction there, I don't think is as bad as what, um, as what the West are, are making. I mean, I was looking at a a photograph, uh, oh, sorry, as much as the Palestinians are wanting the West to perceive things are much worse. Israel are very strategic. We heard from General Kemp, who's worked with them. Is it General? Colonel, I think. Colonel Kemp. He was the British colonel, and um, he was um, sort of head of, I think he was in Afghanistan. He's worked all over the place. This is him now. Just have a quick listen to him about what he thinks of the Israeli Defence Force. Uh, absolutely contrary to what... Uh, most of the world's media is saying about Israel at the moment, they cannot stop. They have to. If they don't teach these uh, terrorists a lesson, uh, then it'll just continue to happen. And it's, you know, this, I don't know, it just, it, they have to carry on doing what they're doing. There cannot be a pause. It is, it's just a nonsense. And don't believe most of the stuff that's coming out of Palestine because it's not proper media outlets. They're just people like um, Patrick Henderson, I think his name is it. Hendrickson, Hen Henningson, he's basically just believing, he's believing what's coming out of ha Hamas, the terrorist organisation, they're doing the reports, and all the inflated figures about the deaths and all that, get your kids out of there like, like sensible people would do, get your women and children out of the war zone, you could do that, and have a war away from them, but they don't do that, they want to use them as human shields, so it's very difficult for Israel, but here's General Kemp, how, uh, how just how well they are trained, the Israeli Defence Force, how well they are trained to look after the rights of people and how the United Nations are just continuously slandering the Jews. Why? Because the United Nations is going to be ruled by the Antichrist very soon. It's a demonic organization. There are good people in there trying to do their best. However, uh, it is going to be the part of the one world government and it will be controlled by our adversary, the devil, 
uh, he will be he will be uh, possessed. He will possess a man who will be the leader of the United Nations and also the European forces. He will be, and and I know it's the European because all the wealth of Babylon came down through the Medo-Persian Empire into the Grecian Empire, into the Roman Empire, split up into two. That's the two legs. That's that image that Nebuchadnezzar had that Daniel told him the meaning of it. And it's the meaning of the world empires down through history. And the last one is the ten toes, which is made up of ten kingdoms, not ten nations, not ten states, ten kingdoms. And those ten kingdoms, three will be ripped out. This is what we hear. So three of those kingdoms will be torn out. And that'll leave, I don't know, what is that going to leave? Seven. And the Antichrist, the little horn, he's going to rule the European. It's Europe, isn't it? Because all the wealth of Babylon went down through the Medo-Persians, through the Grecians, the Romans, all the wealth of the Romans. As now, in the, when the hordes of Central Europe uh, uh, sacked, you know, destroyed Rome, well, did they? You know, I suppose they did. They went in and um, attacked Rome. All that wealth is now in Europe. That wealth of Babylon is in Europe. And so that's the ten toes. And they don't blend properly because they're made of miry clay and steel or iron. And they don't mix. You can't blend the two together, can you? And that's what we've got now. It's absolute shambles. And, uh, but they're going, to have a, they're going to have the devil himself running it in a human form. Just like that. And he's going to run it. And so it's going to be nasty. But so, and that's why the United Nations, you know, they're pre-programmed. To hate the Jews. Why? Because the Jews are the Lord's chosen people. Just And the Christians, we've been grafted into the vine. So we're lucky that they rejected Jesus because if they hadn't have done, we, we could miss out. We could just be like brute beasts, just discarded. But God, uh, in his mercy, he's shown us mercy because of the Jews' unbelief. Now we're able to have the gospel. And the apostle Paul, he was a Jew. His name was Saul. He killed Christians. He had them killed. Watched Peter being stoned, held the coats of the ones that stoned him. But he is going to be, um, uh, he became uh, Paul. And uh, yes, I just quickly lost my train of thought. But anyway, we'll get back to, <laughs> we'll get back to, I've got so many things on the hard drive, sometimes things fall off. That does happen. 17 minutes to seven. Here's General, we're talking about Colonel, I keep calling him General. It's Colonel Kemp. When the infamous Goldstone Report excoriated Israel and exonerated Hamas, UN Watch fought the report and changed the debate. I'm the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I served with NATO and the United Nations, commanded troops in Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Macedonia, and participated in the Gulf War. Mr. President, based on my knowledge and experience, I can say this. During Operation Cast Lead, the Israeli Defence Forces did more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare. When Colonel Kemp's speech went viral, UN Watch continued to campaign against the Goldstone Report, and Judge Goldstone retracted. There we are, what did I tell you? And he's just one of many. You know, and you get some people saying, oh, like I had a friend who was a peacekeeper. He's a bit older than me. Not really a friend, actually. I didn't really like him because he's, he's anti-Semitic. He hated the Jews. And some people just have it in for the Jews. You know, they, they can do no right. They just have it in for them. They don't even know why. And I think it's a spiritual thing. There's a spiritual darkness within these people. Uh, I've got another friend who's a lawyer, a barrister, actually, in Dublin. He hates the Jews, Irishman. And, uh, and, we, and we fell out over it. You know, he hates the, he hates the Jews because... Um, actually, no, we fell out because uh, my position on homosexuality didn't like that uh, for some reason. And uh, but I've got other people that are homosexuals and they respect my opinion on it. They don't agree with me, but they respect my opinion. And that is that we're not born homosexual, we become homosexual. 
through um, lifestyle and um, you know being exposed to older homosexuals. That's how you become a homosexual. Birds of a feather flock together. If you hang out with the wrong, bad company corrupts good morals. That's uh, I think that's a biblical principle, and that's that's what happens. And I know that I know that to be true. I've spoken to so many homosexual men, and they've told me you know that it just was something that repulsed them to start with the whole idea of that sodomy. Yucky. I hope there's no kids listening. Um, but uh, that just repulsed them. But then after a while, they get into the lifestyle, and you know, just it's a slippery slope for them. And then they end up being like Liberace, you know. <laughs> I mean, my friend Michael Bulgaris, he is. Um, he, he, no one would have known that he was a homosexual to start with. Uh, but now he's like Liberace. You know? <laughs> so he's got the grand piano and all the all the stuff. You know, it's just. Uh, you know, you look up Liberace, have a look at him, you'll see he's got the rings dripping off. I mean, he's not quite that like that. I haven't seen him for a little while, Michael. He's probably, oh, they don't well, yeah, they don't want to hang out with you, you know, when they know that, you know, you, you, you believe the Bible. And, you know, Michael's been brought up, he knows about Christianity. He knows that, um, you know, he, he does want to believe, but he just, he, like, he loves his, his homosexual lifestyle more than he loves God. And, you know, I, I could become a homosexual if I wanted to. Anyone could. Anybody could. You know, people say, oh, that's rubbish, Grant. You're born that way. No, it's actually not true. You'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out that I was right and you were wrong. My mistake, you were wrong. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, um, 14 minutes to 7, and I feel like I need to have a cough. But So we have um, Vera Sharev. She's a Holocaust survivor. And this is a cut taken from the movie The Great Awakening, which is done by an incredible guy. He was a leftist. He, he worked for Bernie Sanders, actually, in the campaign. He's a very good documentary filmmaker and music video maker. His name is Mickey Willis. You can find the link to that on our website, which is thewireless.nz. Look it up, thewireless.nz, and go there. It's just, I think it's just thewireless.nz. I hope it is. Or is it the wireless? Yes, it's just the wireless. .nz. Go there and you can find the link to The Great Awakening. It's, uh, it certainly woke me up, that's for sure. Incredible. And I've chopped it all up into clips and uh, I play them from time to time. But this is a good one. She is a Holocaust survivor, a wonderful woman. She's, I think she's in her 90s now. Very good. And also G. Edward Griffin, he's on it as well. He's 92. Uh, you wouldn't think so when you listen to him. Brilliant man. Brilliant. Still is. And he's, he's into health. He's written quite a few books on health as well. So I th I'd say he's onto the right right sort of food. He realizes you can't trust the pharmaceutical industry. You can't trust them as far as you can chuck them. It's sorcery. The Bible says it's sorcery. Technology and modernism and convenience have become the end all and be all. They are what's valued. And you really, really have denigrated the idea of what's human, humanitarian, Human values, right and wrong. Everything becomes relative. As a result, few people recognize foreboding similarities between current policies and those under the Nazi regime. By declaring a state of emergency in 1933 and 2020, personal freedom, legal rights, and civil rights were swept aside. Repressive, discriminatory decrees followed. In 1933, the primary target of discrimination were Jews. Today, the target is people who refuse to be injected with experimental, genetically engineered so-called vaccines. She's on to it, isn't she? 
Yep, Vera Sharev, she's the Holocaust survivor. Uh, her parents, her father died in a concentration camp. Mother managed to escape and managed to get her out to, uh, I think there was something happened with the Ukraine then, and they allowed the kids to get out. So she was able to meet up with her mother after about three years, I think. About three years uh, before she met up with her mother and lives in America, of course, now. All those people that decided to go to America well before Hitler started doing his you know, six, extermination of at least six million Jews, and a lot of people today are even denying that. You've got people that deny it. People are denying. Now, I heard them. I heard people um, being interviewed, and they were denying. This is out on the street. They were, they were Arab supporters, Hamas supporters. They were denying that 1,400 Israelis were slaughtered by, by Islamic terrorists that came over from the Gaza Strip. They were denying it. They said, oh, no, really, no, 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 not true. But it is true. It is absolutely true. Now, there's a few things I want to look at. Now, the the papers are all pretty much uh, saying the same thing as one another. And there'll be some new news probably after seven. Unfortunately, I won't be able to bring you that till tomorrow. But let's just have a look and see what happened on this day in New Zealand history. On the 3rd of November, 1886, the Manawatu Rail Link opened. And that was an interesting thing. Goodness, I never thought I was going to get rid of that. At all, I didn't even think I'd be able to turn the microphone back on for quite some time. The Belmont Viaduct, I'm looking at a line drawing here. It's been coloured in, a beautiful line drawing. And uh, that's all courtesy of the Turnbull Library. And it's yeah, the Belmont Viaduct, what a structure. And we'll read about that in just a minute. But uh, the Governor, Sir William Jervois, he hammered home the ceremonial last spike at the, uh, it's called the Otai Hunger which is between Paraparam, we call it Paraparam, but it's actually supposed to be Paraparumu or something like Paraparumu, uh, and Waikanae, that's what we used to call it anyway. So we've got the 1960s and 70s pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, goes, it's, probably, it's probably late, probably early 20th century pronunciation is what I use on the show. Uh, anyway, so they opened it up, and uh, that's the railway linking Wellington with Longburn near Palmerston North. Now it was built by the privately owned Wellington company called the Manawatu railway company the the WMR and so that was the line that would help open up the Kapiti coast from Horowhenua I say Horowhenua everyone says Horowhenua but I say Horowhenua it's a bit of a protest really <laughs> Horowhenua with an aspirated WH and the Manawatu uh, that was to, to European settlement they're not European <laughs> most of us weren't European we were British Brit- Britain the UK is not in Europe that's a different place. So I, I don't want to be called a European. We weren't. We were British settlers. That's what we were. Let's let's uh, get that right for a start. So anyway, it opened it up between the area from Kapiti Coast through Horofanua and Manawatu to British settlers in the late 19th century. Of course, yeah, it was 1880-something, wasn't it, I read. And it later became part of the North Island Main Trunk Line. Now, in September 1880, after John Hall's cost-cutting government abandoned work on the planned West Coast Railway from Wellington to Foxton. The Wellington Chamber of Commerce, they rallied the city's business leaders, many of whom owned land in, in the Manawatu and also the Rangitiki, and they built their own line. I didn't, bet you didn't know that. It was a public-private partnership, <laughs> which I'd be weary of today because it's kind of, that, that really is it's equivalent to fascism, really, public-private. That's what Mussolini did. Gosh, I've got a cough again, sorry. Imagine if you're a cigarette smoker trying to do this job. Gosh, you'd just be forever coughing, wouldn't you? Uh, I would imagine. Now, where am I? I'm, and it's pretty poor. I'm my old, my old school teacher, uh, speech and drama teacher, used to say, if you can't remember where, if you can't know exactly where you were, when uh, you go back to a piece of prose or writing, 
then you're you're not very good. And so that's I'm not very good. He said I was a slow thinker. He's right. You know, I couldn't. My eye wouldn't move ahead. I blame the vaccines. You've got to have something to blame, don't you? Of course you do. I remember it. my parents said that you all of a sudden you stopped asking questions after we gave you that nasty last shot. Anyway, so um, yes, the Rangitaiki. The, and so the Parliament passed enabling legislation offering the generous land grants. So what do they do? Uh, oh yes, yes. It, well, we better, I better go back to the beginning. I'm terrible, aren't I? The first of September, 1880, after John Hall's cost-cutting cost, cost, cost government abandoned work on the planned West Coast Railway from Foxton, uh, Wellington to Foxton, and that the Wellington Chamber of Commerce they rallied the business leaders in the area, and there's some wealthy boys, I'll tell you, uh, many of whom owned land in the Manawatu and the Rangitaiki. That's right, repeating here, repetitious. That's why some of my friends don't like listening to me because you said you repeat yourself all the time. Oh, sorry about that. Well, it's a bit like a computer, isn't it? I find that that um, that uh, really, you, 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 I, you, people, most people are like computers, except that with a computer, you only need to tap the information in once. <laughs> but with people, repetition is the key to learning too, by the way. I've got a cough again. Now, Parliament passed this enabling legislation. I hope it's on because I haven't got my headphones on today. I find it too annoying. Um, anyway, so they passed this legislation and they offered generous land grants. And the, the WMR, that's the railway company, that was registered in August of 1881. That was when the false of, a version of West Cotton Hort came out. They published the Greek New Testament in Greek that, and they decided to go for all the old Roman Catholic renderings and the Alexandrian text. They took it from that, the West Cotton Hort, who we believe, many of us believe they were actually Roman Catholic plants too, by the way, in the Church of England. Anyway, um, getting back to the railway line, don't lose, I'm losing track, no pun intended. Get back on track, okay. No pun intended. Uh, repetition is the key to learning. The following following March, the thir- thirteen Wellington business people or firms they led. It was led by W. H. Levin, and that's where the name Levin comes from. W. H. Levin. There was J. E. Nathan, John Plimmer. That's probably where Plimerton comes from. Uh, G. V. Shannon, with a little town called Shannon, and J. S. M. Thompson. Don't haven't got a place called Thompson, have we? Just the just the machine gun <laughs> and they bought 2,005 pound shares a, a total investment equivalent to more than 23 million dollars in 2020 so it'd be even more now it'd be doubled now it'd be like 46 million now because <laughs> everything's gone up twice hasn't it uh, since 2020 since the COVID pandemic came out and everyone was got forced to take the experimental biological agent even though we didn't we didn't want to we lost our jobs you know and then they pretended at the end of it that they didn't really force anybody no one was forced to take it BS, we all were. We'd lose our jobs, lose our car. The wife would walk out the door because when love flies and love walks in the door, sorry, the wife, <laughs> when uh, love, oh gosh, get it right. When I haven't had coffee, that's the problem. I'm trying to ease off on coffee. Um, when poverty walks in the door, love flies out the window. Anyway, getting back to the railway line, uh, pr- provided the line was completed within five years. Oh, okay. No, no, provided the line was complete. I haven't read this, but it's interesting. It's good practice to read it, to read something out on the radio with all these people listening and you've never read it before. Provided the line was completed within five years, the company would receive 85,000 hectares of crown land. That's a lot. Stole it off the marriage, of course. And, um, yeah, right. Well, you signed that Treaty of Waitangi, didn't you? Saying that the, our Queen would have... Um, that the, the, the crown would take, you'd lose all your sovereignty except for your little fishing areas. You're allowed to keep that. Now they want to get out of that. Anyway, it was obviously by dubious means. Oh, rubbish. Now this is, mar- this is revisionism now. 
uh, they bought it from the Maori owners. They paid good money for it too. And the only time they lost any of their own land was when they started to have a war against us. So have a war, you you get your land confiscated. Yeah, so don't don't be a don't be a, a gang member. We had gang members out there marauding gangs around, going around there, killing innocent settlers, British settlers. There were a few Europeans, but mostly British. Anyway, so between this was between 1882 and 84, and so the Wellington, what was that railway line called? The MRW railway line, it's the private one, it was directly purchased a further 13,000 hectares. That's a lot of land, isn't it? So what are we up to, like 90, nearly 100,000 hectares, which is like about two and a half, two and a half acres to the hectare. So you can imagine it's an incredible amount of land. Um, although the company faced periodic financial problems, uh, construction progress, progressed pretty swiftly. It was a 135-kilometre route and included a number of notable engineer, engineering features. At one of the world's largest wooden trestle bridges, it was 38 metres high, and that's the one I talked about at the beginning. There's a line drawing of it there on this page here at nzhistory.gov.nz, and it's the Belmont Viaduct. Incredible. And it was just near Johnsonville. And a string of tunnels along the... Um, Paikakariki escapement, very steep there, had all these tunnels, you've seen those, and there were several, um, several lives were lost actually, people died in those days, they didn't have OSH, <laughs> uh, you know, you die, it was just part of the deal, isn't it, part of how it is, no war helmets or anything like that, and no safety, no high-vis nonsense, you just got on with the job, your dungarees on and get cranking. Uh, anyway, major bridges, that was from Paiatua, the inlet, Oh, it's not Paiatua. Sorry, I just sort of put that word in there. It sounded right. It was the Pau Hanui Inlet, and that was near Waikanae. Then you got Otaki and Manawatu Rivers. So there's all these incredible, you know, engineering feats, and it raised the embankment across the vast Maku, it's Makuriri Rua, but people just call it the Makarua. That's the swamp. That was in Horo Whenua, some people call it, I just call it Horowhenua, near Levin. As a reward for their contributions, the company named some of the settlements along the route after the WMR directors, which is Levin, Plimerton, like Plimmer, rather, Mr. Plimmer, Mr. Levin, Mr. Plimmer, and, oh, I said him twice, uh, Shannon, Mr. Shannon, and James Linton. These were all places like Linton Railway Station. The railway greatly improved access to the Manawatu region, fostered Palmerston North's emergence as a major centre, and helped revive Wellington's stuttering economy. Apparently, it was stuttering in 1880, and that was my ancestors were all uh, well, uh, four bears. They were all in in 1880. We had the we had the land wars going on then, didn't we? And Wellington was a bit tricky actually. They were a bit worried, and so in 1880, that would have been who would ah oh, would have been my, my Robert, my great 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 grandfather Robert. He came over in 1849. His son came here earlier in 1842. Actually, wrote home and said, "What a wonderful place! You got to get over here, Dad." Don't let me forget the news coming up in just a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes away from TNT Radio News. Anyway, so we're talking about this. I'm slaving over it, aren't I? And so what else happened? It was. It looks to be quite interesting. Um, so the Manawatu, the New Plymouth, the Wire Wrapper, and in 1891, Napier. Oh, so the new connection... Oh, that's right, I missed a whole sentence. The new... The, it, it connected the railway to Manawatu, Wanganui, New Plymouth, and the Wire Wrapper. And from 1891, Napier, the capital established itself as New Zealand's transport commercial hub. For the next two de- uh, in decades, the important Wellington-New Plymouth route coordinated with steamer, steamer service, that's the ships, you know, from Onehunga Wharf, and it provided the main link between Auckland and Wellington, and was, uh, it operated as a sometimes uneasy public-private partnership. Yeah, that's right. 
uh, with passengers switching to the New Zealand Railways, the NZR trains at Longburn. The WMR, the private company, had a strong American influence. It had a very powerful Baldwin, Baldwin locomotives they used, modern carriages and elegant dining cars. Often they actually put the New Zealand Railways counterparts to shame. In 1892, the WMR locomotive set a world speed record for the, a three foot six uh, track um, width. Yes, the track. It's a bit narrower here than they are, they are in the States, I think. It's about a, you know, just about a metre and a half wide. That's the gauge. The average speed it clocked was 68 kilometres per hour over the 135 kilometre route, with a top speed of 103 kilometres per hour. That's pretty cranky. That's 60 miles per hour. That's fair hiking. The company continued to operate until 1908, when the completion of the North Island main trunk line it led to its purchase by the government. So that was it. So it was a private. So the private one was flasher than the government one. And there's all sorts of images you can find there. Decorative maps. You can go to the Wellington and Manawatu. The railway company. There's a there's a there's a zoomable version of that map if you go over to NZ um, NZ uh, what is it? NZ history at government.nz, uh, yes. And there's all sorts of other things there. There's more reading in there. They've got the, the building of the main trunk line, the North Island main trunk line, external links. 40 years ago, the Wellington Manawatu Railway Company. There's all these links in there about railways. I love trains, don't you? I always wanted a, a, a train set when I was young. I had a, I had a Scar Electric car set. I used to like racing that. Got pretty good at it too. But um, I, it was the trains that really, that really loved the most. That was what I really wanted. Hey, look, it's right on news. Here it is. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The SNP is facing an electoral wipeout at the next general election, with the new poll putting Labour on course to become the largest party north of the border for the first time since 2010. First Minister Humza Yousaf has seen SNP support collapse from 45% at the last election to just 32%. The survey, conducted by YouGov for the Scottish election study, showed Labour support soaring from 18.6% to 38% over the same period. Tory support also plummeted around 25% to just 16%. City Con was criticized by Conservative mayoral candidate Susan Hall for not putting enough money into the Metropolitan Police and blaming the government for the situation. Speaking at the London Assembly, Hall pointed out that Khan has a £21 billion budget and demanded he put his hand in his pocket to fund the police. Make the defibrillator. You know, take a look in your house, take a look at your workplace, take a look at a hospital. Try and identify something that was not made with fossil fuels. That's the problem. There is no backup plan. They're so motivated to go to zero emissions, they're forgetting the one basic fact. All the 6,000 products we have in our daily lives, communications, electronics, the medical industry, on and on and on. It's all made with fossil fuels. Oh, look, we're sorry about that. We had a bit of a crash, actually, on the Rumble crash there for a moment. Something happened to OBS, which is what I use here. Uh, anyway, I hope it's all right. I hope it all works out. Might be a bit of a, a break in transmission to lost a few people there, possibly. I don't know. Not that many people go on to the Rumble, I suppose. It, well, there's no point if they're just looking at sort of um, a graphic instead of looking at me. <laughs> I don't want you looking at me because I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to be looked at. It's um, two minutes, no, seven minutes past now, seven past seven, and uh, it's just about my lot. But let's have a look at that forecast, just see what's happened now, give you an idea what's going on for the day. Uh, you've got Napier, Napier on 16.6 degrees. Queenstown's now 4.1. They're the coldest in the whole country. It's really dipped off got quite cold there. It wasn't. It was seven degrees earlier on this morning at about three or four o'clock. Wairuru has a windy, windy place down there. That's where we're going to put the tent cities. 
and have all the criminals working. When I become the um, Minister of Corrections, I'll be running that. And um, th- this is for New, New Zealand loyal when they get in in 2026. And um, so look, everyone will be living in, t- all the criminals, all the, all the convicts will be living in tent cities. We'll have the um, prison guards will be on horseback with pump action Mossberg sh- shotguns, 10, 10 shots in each one, and we'll just pepper them. If they try to run, they'll get peppered. Uh, with a with a shotgun or three shot on site, you'll be licensed to kill. So and they'll be smashing up rocks, just working on a chain gang in the desert road there, four seasons of the year, all year, year in year out, and it'll be hard labour. No one will want to go to jail when I'm running it because it'll just be um, it'll be hard work, you know. And you know, hard work never killed anybody. And they'll be as honestly, they'll be so hungry at the end of the day, smashing up rocks and making rock walls, and and we'll be able to drive through the desert road. And we'll be able to see all the wonderful work that they're doing for us. They're repaying their debt to society. And it'll be lovely to watch. And um, if there's no rocks to smash, well, we'll just have rocks delivered, won't we? Uh, you know, we'll find a way. And we'll get them get truckloads of rocks delivered there. And they can smash them up and make wonderful... Or they could just chip them up into nice little stones. And then other masons will be able to use those rocks from their hard work. But hard labour, I think. And we need to see that need to see them actually paying for that. It'd be good for the public to see them working, and they'll be on it. They'll be on a chain gang. We don't need to have them chained together anymore, uh, because we've got um, the bracelets. So we'll put the bracelets instead of putting them on home detention, so they can bother the girlfriend, and you know, and still carry on on the crime spree with their with their bracelet on with a tin foil over it, so they can't track them. Uh, they'll be working in the middle of the desert road. Also, we'll have another one set up. I've got another one planned for Mackenzie Country down near Omarama. Um, that won't be near the towns, of course. And then the, the riders, there'll be horse riders on horseback with, you know, western hats as well, you know, looking like the rocky, you know, that's Canada, isn't it? But they'll be looking looking the part, like Joe Arapaya did in Arizona. He had tent cities for the criminals, and he had... Um, yeah, people on on horseback with guns, uh, but we, you know, in these little bracelets, and they'll just be busy smashing up rocks, and uh, that's the best thing to do. That's what we'll do. We'll have one of the desert road, so you better drive through. You know, the the road there from Wairu to Turangi, you'll be able to see the um, see the hard labour, and it won't cost us a fortune. And after a hard day's work, they'll be as hung, they'll be so hungry they could eat a horse. And we've got plenty of kaimanawana, kaimanawana. Kaimanawa ponies there for them to eat. Sometimes you have to be a killing, you know, a bit of a culling because it gets too many of them. So instead of worrying about that and wasting money, you know, with silly women, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to break them in, there are some good there are some good people that, that do a good job of it. But I don't know, you know, pe- just people get silly. They think that animals are humans. I think that's the problem with people. They think that they, you know, that's it's just this evolutionary nonsense, really. But um, no, you kill them and eat them. So horse meat's brilliant. Chevalier, I think they call it. Chevalier, I think they call it in, in Paris, uh, France, and not just Paris, but France. They love it. It's a delicacy over there. It's a bit lean though, so you're going to have to have some fat. We'll have to bring some fat in, cook it in fat. Forget about oil; that all costs money. So it's going to be completely. It'll actually make money. So my prisons will make money. And uh, let's hope you never end up going there because it'll just be hard work. There won't be any of this. And there'll be no, you know, there'll be no, you won't have time to be learning, um, learning crime from other criminals because you'll just be too busy working. At the end of the day, you'll just want to hit the sack and uh, in your tent. And, um, you know, any repairs that need to be done, that'll be done by the prisoners themselves. And if you're a good prisoner, you'll get to maybe look after some animals, you know, look after some horses. And, but we won't let you near the knives, especially the Muslim ones. <laughs> they won't be. There'll be none of this halal killing BS. I mean, none of that. 
No, this, we're not, we're not going to um, sacrifice our animals to some pagan god, which is what Islam is. It's actually paganism, you know, really. The, the moon god, that's where it comes from, the old moon god. But they, they, don't, they don't want the truth to get in the way of a good story, do they? History. They don't want anyone to know the true history. A bit like the Maoris, they like to pretend they swam here, on, not swam, but, you know, paddled here on a dugout log from the island somewhere. That's just absolute nonsense. They came here on whaling ships. <laughs> of course they did. This is logical. But, you know, you don't want your children, your, your, your descendants, to know that you were a slave crew on board a whaling ship. <laughs> so you, um, you make up a story, you know, that you fished it out, out of the sea. Maui. Maui was probably just a, an ancient expedition um, someone from the Middle East, you know, they would have picked up some slave crew going through, you know, through Asia and all that, you know, because all the all the the descendants of Shem, that's where they all ended up going all over the world. All the Maoris, the Islanders, and the and the um, uh, the Jews and the Arabs, they all are descendants from Shem, one of the three sons of Noah. And then you've got those ones that went up north. Uh, that's they were Japhethites and they went up north and that's why they're white skinned because they went north where there wasn't much sun and of course God knows you need the vitamin D so he made their skin lighter the skin it, after, it's called microevolution their skin became lighter because there wasn't enough sun and the body naturally the way God's created it you need to have vitamin D but just the right amount of vitamin D not too much and so with them being there being not so much sun up there um, the skin was made lighter so the vitamin D could penetrate the skin, which is the least of the organs, the skin. It's actually an organ. And uh, so then you're able to get just the right amount of vitamin D uh, living up in those conditions. And then those that went to Africa, that's the ham, sun, that's ham, he went around African area. And of course, very, very hot, lots of sun, and you'll be getting far too much vitamin D, which would be bad for you. And so uh, God made their skin darker over the, you know, the last three and a half thousand years since the flood. It's only three and a half thousand years ago. And then the ones that went to sort of other places, which was not quite as hot as Africa, um, you know, not quite so bad. Um, they're more olive skinned, aren't they? And, um, and I think that's why um, a lot of, I think, the, I think probably the Jewish people were quite a bit darker. The ones, especially the ones that went to Europe, I think that they've, then you said they're quite. They're, you wouldn't even be able to tell, really, can you? But the ones that are living, um, that were living in the Middle East all the time, that managed to not end up getting, you know, getting chased out of the Middle East because there were still Jews there, but you probably would have had to be a bit careful. But most of them left and were scattered throughout the whole world after Titus sacked it in, in AD seventy. Titus, the head of the Roman legions, sacked Jerusalem. But um, so the three sons of Noah's and they all went to different parts and it's all to do with vitamin D. God knows exactly how much vitamin D you need. And so he adjusts your skin tone over the year, over the thousands of years. And that's why you've got uh, Shemitic people. Shem, that's another son of Noah, uh, more olive skinned. And that's what I mean. That's why, you know, the islanders and the Maoris are not really black, are they? They're not like um, Africans. Some of them there are so dark. It's not funny. Uh, well, that's because, you know, they don't wear any clothes and. And their skin's darkened up, so that they because it's just too much sunlight, too much vitamin D. There you go. So talking about weather, uh, let's look at the short forecast for you. For those of you that are out and about today, it is Friday, the last day of the week. Today I've got a, a job to do today. I've got to take a big 9.6 meter trailer into the testing station and have it uh, warrant of fitness to get it registered there and a warrant of fitness for it. And then I'm going to deliver it to my customer. Uh, who said that they want another one built. And uh, so if you want a, a tiny house trailer uh, built, uh, give me a call because that's what I do. I've been doing it for quite a few years now. 
and uh, so pretty good people keep coming back because they're built built strong. Now, getting back to the we- to the weather in the west, from northern to Taranaki, Coromandel, Bay of Plenty, and the central high country, rain spreading east this morning, with thunderstorms possible from northern to the Bay of Plenty, including Auckland and also for northern Waikato. Then it's going to be easing to showers from midday. For the remainder of the North Island, isolated showers, but periods of rain late morning or afternoon. Uh, in Buller, Nelson and Marlborough, you've got rain developing in this, this morning at this time, 17 past 7, and then it's going to be turning to showers about Buller and Nelson this evening. You've got heavy and possibly thundery storms as well, thunderstorms happening there, but it's going to be clearing for Marlborough. Uh, in Canterbury, you have uh, low cloud fog at times, rain for a time in the afternoon and evening, possibly heavy. Westland and Fjordland, cloudy periods with isolated showers. For Otago and Southland, cloud breaking this morning. And then you've got showers this afternoon and evening. Some are going to be heavy and you're going to have thunderstorms too, as well, possibly. Might not be, but it's possible. In the Chatham Islands, you've got just a foggy, drizzly, rainy day and a rainy night for you. That is news and weather. And uh, it is time for me to say sayonara. And so I'll be doing that in just one moment. I'll just find a nice bit of music for you. So we'll see you on Monday morning, at f- bright and early at 5 o'clock. Lord willing, always got to say that, because the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Whereas your life is but a vapor, that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Think of this. Remember on the debate stage, I said to Biden, I said, Why did you accept $3.5 million from the mayor of Moscow's wife? And Chris Wallace... He, was, he didn't know how to answer the question. Chris Wallace said, you shouldn't be asking that question. That has a, it has a lot to do. Why did he get three and a half million dollars from Moscow? He didn't do anything for it. And Chris Wallace stopped him from giving an answer, which he didn't have, by the way. Saved him. They want me to go to the Reagan Library as an example. I want you to know 
time And all your other boyfriends They couldn't pass the test So if you're looking for love Honey, I'm tougher than the This is the wireless, today's best country.